Welcome to Notorious Age of Sigma, episode 44. We are back in your motherfucking ears with a what's hot in the meta and tournament recap show. It's me, Sean, and I'm joined by the lovely Jess out of Auckland. Jess, how are you? Hello. Yep, I'm doing good. Cool, cool. No tubby today. He's off playing mall cop in Gisborne or something along the lines. I'm not too sure what he's up to. <laughs> uh, but the man has been super busy. If you don't know, uh, New Zealand's been hit by a cyclone recently, last week or two. And Tubby lives in like the worst spot for it. So he's very touch and go. Um, yeah. And he's been working a whole lot as well. So no Tubby tonight. So you just have to deal with my monotones and the lovely Jess to carry you through for the next couple of hours as we talk meta in Warhammer in a one-day tournament that me and Jess both recently attended. So um, yeah, let's just kick it off. Let's just get into the tournament, I guess, list, you know. Yeah, Jess, yeah. sorry. I'm sort yeah. of looking so... for some... Reaffirmation yeah, no. here, so <laughs> for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna stay silent the whole time and let you no, no. Talk yourself. <laughs> no, you're cool. You're cool. It's been yeah. ugh, it's been since October since I've done this. So to be honest, I'm, sure. while while I love talking, I'm pretty fucking rusty at it. But um, yeah, so no, you're, you're good. we've got we went to Yugo Gur, which was a one day tournament up in Auckland held at Hobby Master last Sunday. So Sunday just been. Um, it was one day, three rounds, and um, there was twenty six players. Was that right? Twenty. Yeah, there might have been there might have been a drop or two. I think we ended up with maybe twenty four. But um, yeah, it's it's the biggest event that Auckland has had in I don't even know how long. It's probably in like a year or two. Um, in Auckland, the last GHB uh, before this current one was not taken very well, so. Um, kind of the, the competitive players, the couple of us there in Auckland kept playing, um, but a lot of the casual folks dipped out um, yeah. to, to other systems and to, to other games. Um, so we've been getting like 12 on a good day to like mm. our little one day events. We tend to do like RTTs in Auckland. So like um, we got a lot of people who have like kids or families or they're just got, got busy work lives and stuff. So they can't do a two day. So we tend to do a lot of one-day events, um, but even those were getting like yeah, twelve people last GHB to mm. like 24, 24 This last one was um, was amazing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think people were pretty thirsty for events as well, especially given in New Zealand. I know we're twenty twenty-three, but we had pretty heavy sort of COVID restrictions as well, and we were pretty late to the party of this letting COVID go throughout the country. So um, there wasn't a lot of events the last two years. So I know as a speaking. For myself as a TO, I know it was pretty touch and go booking events and running events last year, and we didn't have too many across the, across the country. But um, to the start of the year so far, we've had a good mm-hmm. couple of events that have been selling out rather quickly um, mm-hmm. and getting good numbers for our little end of you know our little end of the world. I mean, we got an event in two weeks that sold out in like two minutes. It was only twenty players, but they increased it to twenty six. I think it was. Maybe 28. I don't know. Zane, mm-hmm. you need to make yep. it bigger because you've got a whole fucking school hall there, mate, and it's huge. I know you probably don't have boards and tables, but come on, we've got to dream big, Zane. And then we've got ValleyCon, <laughs> which is another 30 people in April as well. So yep. there's a bunch of events in the lead up to our Masters, which is in May. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, you go, Gur, um, three rounds, one day uh, last Sunday up in Auckland. 26 mm-hmm. players, according to Down Under Pairings, that actually had a result. And yeah, I believe there was one or two drops throughout the day um, for various reasons. 
And uh, should we? Oh, we'll just talk about lists. So, Jess, why don't you talk about lists so I can open another beer and have a vape, and you can entertain yeah. the lovely listeners. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I've um, I've had bits and pieces of a Gits Army for quite a while, um, but um, I'm the sort of person that like. Ideally, I want sort of the trifecta in an army. I want an army that is like I like the look of and the aesthetic and it's compelling to paint and hobby with. And then I want it to um, have a play style that interests me on the table. And then the third part of that is I want it to be good. I want it to be a a competitive uh, army in the meta um, and to sort of be able to go into any game or event knowing that if I play really well, I got to I have, a, I have a chance to win. And I just don't think Gits were that army prior to this new book um, in the hands of all, but like um, like maybe Stuart and um, like a couple of like uh, a couple of those guys uh, in Oz, although Stuart's in Japan right now. Um, yeah. But there's a handful of Gits players playing at a high level, but like that was the exception. The army yeah. had something like a 40% win rate uh, with the last book. Like it was... It was bad. Yeah. Um, so... Tubby took Gits to KenCon 2020, I think it was. The last one before COVID. And I think he came, he went 4-2. And I think he came like 40th or 30th. But yeah, he's, yeah. He, he picked up Gits when they came out and just like flooded the body with, sorry, flooded the board with bodies. And it was pretty boring to be honest. But yeah, you, you definitely didn't see Gits doing too well prior to last yeah weeks. like um like Stuart mccowan um went 4-1 at this last kencon with the old mm. gets um which was you know that's an amazing result for gets um like kencon yeah, just but he's been, been yeah yeah kencon just uh, been, um okay. but um yeah he's been playing he's been playing gets for for a long time and it was kind of like playing them at the top of what they could do with the last book um which like was a very specific build around like a block of 30 hoppers and using the Battleshock community from the shrine to like be real kind of techie with, with that. Um, but yeah, so old book, uh, although I, everything else about the army was great and cool for me. Uh, I just didn't feel like I could play them to the level that I was, that I need to have for a tournament army, but then the new gets book drops and yeah, it's now a super competitive book. Um, maybe too much, but we'll see. There's only been a couple event results so far with the new book, um, but it's getting five O's at big events right now. So it's it's definitely a, a, a very strong, very strong book right now. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think the production what, meta has a part of it as well. Like there's a lot of hype around Gits, and um, sure. I think a, I think a lot of people can see on paper how good they are, and mm-hmm. once people have um, built and assembled and painted the armies and taken them out to events, they probably would have been nerfed. So <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. Unless they already have yeah. armies of them lying around. So, yeah. Well, I think the thing with Gits is they had that amazing model refresh. What was it, like two years ago Christmas? I think it was when it came out, which was like, it's one of the biggest range refreshes we've seen um, out of um, Age of Sigmar with the exception of maybe Soulblight um, was also a pretty big range refresh. But like, they just like got the the coolest kits and the army was just looking so good but you know in the last two years up until this new book it's it's just been a 
a bad to non-functional book, which is a shame when you got a bunch of new kits. And so I think people bought armies for that initial launch, kind of figured out the army wasn't very good and then shelved them and now they're bringing them back out. So, um, yeah. 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 But um, yes, we can talk about my list. So um, I've been kind of workshopping um, my list a bit with Stuart, as I was as I was saying before, because um, he's you know he's got gets uh, down um, real well and has been doing really well with the old book. So I've been running things by him and doing TTS games and kind of trying to figure out where my playstyle and the army kind of congeal. Um, and so what I've ended up with is a list that focuses a little bit more on the troll side of things, um, but has enough sprinkling of the other kind of good stuff and a little bit of squigs um, to add some speed to the army because um, the troll side of the book is really tanky, uh, has great damage output, uh, but it's quite slow. It's also not very good in objectives because um, trolls are four wounds, so you can't just one model for objectives. Um, you know, yeah, so it's going to be tough for them. They don't have any special rules then? They're not like... Nah. And this um, is me asking because I, I know gets are like hot, but I actually don't really know why gets are hot other than they're cheap and they have lots of rules. So I wasn't sure if trolls had like an mm -hmm. ogre rule or something like that where they count as more bodies. No, the, the main thing about trolls is that they have a three plus save under the moon. Uh, there's lots of ways to make them under the moon with scrag rot, with um, endless spells, with the shrine itself putting out an aura of the moon. Uh, and the moon is just more reliable in general um, with this book. Um, and you've got scrag rot who can also manipulate the moon um, once per game. So yeah, and trolls also now regenerate automatically. Uh, instead of having to roll a four up, I think it was in the old book. Uh, and they heal every hero phase. So my hero phase and your hero phase kind of a thing. So, uh, and their damage output's great. Um, so, uh, but they're slow, they move six inches, they count for one model and objectives. That's kind of some of the downsides. Um, so, but yeah, I'm leaning more into that side of things than the squigs. Um, but yeah, just top down. Um, so my list consists of a Dankhold Trogboss. He's the general. Um, he has the Loon Skin command trait, so he gets to take an endless spell for free. Um, and then he gets to cast that spell as if he was a wizard, even though he's not. So it both gives me uh, an 85 point savings in the endless spell that I chose, because uh, it's free. It's normally 85 points, it's the Scuttle Tide. Um, and then and it also gives me uh, essentially like a pseudo wizard to cast that spell. So an extra extra cast as long as I'm using it for the, the Scuttle Tide. Um, although any other wizard in my army can also cast it. It doesn't have to be the Trog boss, but uh, he's allowed to as well. So um, that's him. And then his artifact um, is uh, the Glowy Houset, which uh, gives him a four plus ward, which on a 12 wound model with a four up save, three plus under the moon, um, who regenerates D6 wounds every hero phase, that four plus ward is, just makes him incredibly survivable. Um, the downside of the artifact is that if uh, at the end of any phase in which you take damage, uh, you've got to roll a dice on a one, he eats the artifact and it goes away. So, um, which is, is funny, but thankfully uh, didn't happen to me at, at this event. Um, but yeah, so it used to be that he, you would roll a dice 
sorry, all the ward rolls you would roll. Uh, if you rolled a one for the ward rolls, he would eat the artifact. So it used to be the, he ate the artifact, like you do six damage to him, he rolls six dice for the ward saves, he rolls a one, one in there and he eats the artifact. And now it's just a single dice roll at the end of the phase in which he took the damage to eat the artifact. So he's much less likely to actually eat it now, which is, which is great. Um, so that's him. And then we've got Scragrot. Um, there's just, there's too much to say about Scragrot. He is wildly underpointed. He's 160 points. He's a war master. He gives you a free command ability a turn. He's got six wounds on a four up ward. Uh, he knows uh, the whole lore of the of the Moon Clans. He can cast two spells. He has plus one to cast baked in. Um, once per game, he can tell the Moon to stay where it is or to move one space. Um, so he's just he's going to go up like fifty or sixty points in the next battle scroll. Like he's just wildly undercasted right now. Um, and his uh, his war scroll spell is. Roll a number of dice equal to the casting roll, and he gets plus one to, to that. It's not the unmodified roll, it's whatever he casts it on with the plus one. So Arcane gives him plus one as well. So roll a number of dice equal to the casting roll. Every three up is a mortal wound at 24 inch range. Just, just maybe one of the best spells in the game. It's just madness. Um, there was a couple of times where I rolled like a natural 12 or an 11, had him on Arcane, he has his plus one built in. He was rolling 12, 13 dice, three upstream mortal wounds. Um, just in insanity. Um, yeah, a lot of value for that point. Yeah, so much value. Um, and so, yeah, that's him. Um, and then we've got um, two Galatian champions um, because they're pretty much required uh, in, in the current uh, battle pack. And they're also just kind of the, the gets buff pieces all, all tend to be either dedicated units that do buffing or GCs, little, little foot characters. So I've got um, the web spinner shaman. Um, so he's a little 65 point wizard. Um, he uh, has the tunnel master command trait. Um, so he can teleport himself once a game to get a, um, a battle tactic, oftentimes cunning maneuver. Um, He's also got a spell, Curse of the Spider God, which is 24 inch range, same as Gragoroth's. And uh, he targets an enemy unit, and that unit has to um, natural ones and twos to hit always fail, and natural ones and twos to save always fail. Um, so, a great little buff you can use against stuff that's save stacking, um, stuff that wants to hit on twos, you can just deny that. So, he's a little a little kind of throwaway battle tactic piece, but also that spell can be kind of good. Um, and then I've got the Squig Boss, uh, and the Squig Boss is another four wound uh, little guy. Um, his important thing is he can feed um, mushrooms to a Squig unit, um, including the like mounted Squig units, like the Boing Rot Bounders, which I have on my list. Um, and uh, the main thing I use him for is that um, six is to hit, um, with mount attacks, so the squig attacks, do a mortal wound in addition. Um, so he's just there to pass out that little buff to my hoppers, or my bounders, rather. Um, so that's my heroes. And then I've got nine rock guts in a unit. So that's 36 wounds on a three up, five up, or a four up, five up if they're not under the moon. 
Um, so that five plus ward uh, makes them super tanky. Um, so they're just a big brick. I can just sort of plow it up the middle. Um, most things bounce off of it. Um, they've got the regen um, and then their attacks, two attacks each. So not a lot, but it's 12 from the unit. Or sorry, uh, it's 15 um, from the unit with, um, uh, uh, no, a unit of nine. So there's there's 18 attacks out yeah. of the unit. Yeah, 18. The two attacks and then you can, but... Yeah, two, two attacks and they're threes and threes. So um, you can get them to twos and threes, obviously. Um, but the key here is that the Dankhold Trogboths, whenever he issues all an attack, he gives plus one attack in addition to plus one to hit. He's my general, so he's got a big 18-inch range on that command ability. So he hits the trolls with that. Um, they get an additional attack each, so nine more attacks on that big unit, um, as well as the plus one to hit. Um, so that's them. Uh, and then I took six Fellwater trolls. Um, I think on reflection, I'm probably going to split that into two units of three going forward. Um, but Fellwaters are a similar thing to Rock Guts. Um, there are four wounds on a three plus save if they're into the moon or a four plus otherwise. Um, but the, the real sauce with them is their shooting attack. It's super short range, so it's a six inch range. Um, but as long as they cause a wound, the target they hit is minus one to save and can't receive any positive modifiers to save until my next hero phase. So just an incredible debuff piece. Um, like they're great in Overwatch because of that. Like they're kind of behind your line, something charges you. They um, are not Overwatch, but um, stand and shoot. So they shoot over your front line, their six inch range. Uh, they apply that debuff, which means whatever's coming into you is now a lot uh, less tanky than it may have been. Um, they also just make units within three of them minus one to hit. So again, something's charging in, you're kind of throwing out that minus one to hit in like a little three inch bubble um, and to, your, to your front line. Um, that and they've just got four attacks each that do damage to that rend one. So just a really solid unit. Um, but they're mostly there for the debuff, which is why I think I'm gonna split them into two threes. So I can have that debuff present in like different areas of the battlefield, essentially. Cool. Um, yeah, so that's the core of it. That's the kind of the troll part. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we've got uh, 10 bounders. Uh, bounders are um, just yeah, insane right now. Just really um, good. They're 100, yeah, they're just really good. They're 140 points. Um, they move seven inches plus D6. Uh, they can run and charge into the moon. They hit like Chaos Knights when they charge, basically. They go to uh, rend two, damage two with their spears on the charge. Um, and then they got the mount attacks as well. Um, so yeah, they're just a super efficient unit um, that just, just does a lot of damage and can move fast. Um, so that's them. Um, and then I've got just some sort of buff pieces. Oh, I've also got 20 status just to like hang around the shrine and be a nuisance basically. Um, and then I've got some buff pieces. I've got five of the Spore Fanatics. Um, really, their only job is they put out a nine-inch bubble of plus one attack. Um, so if a friendly unit is wholly within nine inches of the Fanatics, they get plus one attack. So 
that's really good on the um, bounders. That's really good on the trolls. Um, because of the nine inch range, they can kind of float in your uh, out of combat and just kind of hang out behind your stuff, uh, pulsing out that uh, that buff. Uh, yeah, and then I've got the Gobapalooza. Um, um, and then, yeah, they're just like a, a real utility units. Um, they have buffs and debuffs. Um, they've got two wizards as well, so they get two casts. Um, they know a lore spell as well, which is great. So I give them Hand of Cork. Um, so they're like another Hand of Cork um, option besides Scragrot, who knows the whole lore. Um, so he can, they can teleport things around. Um, but their main function is that they can apply one of three buffs to a unit wholly within 12 of them. Um, the most important of which, uh, and the way I'm using them, is they give plus one rend. Um, so that gives me sort of all of these options on what I need to boost, want to boost up, um, depending on what I'm facing. So if I need that block of nine trolls to be rend three, to just really cut through something, they can do that. Uh, if I need to make the bounders rend three instead of rend two on the charge, I can do that. If I need a fast unit to just go out and delete something for me, they, they do that real well. Um, I can also give a hero plus one to hit and wound. So I can give the trog boss twos and twos uh, if I want him to just go in and smash something up. Um, can also give uh, plus one to run and charge to a unit if I needed to get there faster, um, which kind of combos with Hand of Gork. So I can give something plus one to charge, Hand of Gork at nine away, and then it's charging on eight instead of a nine. Um, so, you know, a little bit better odds there. Um, but yeah, the Gobpalooza is just, just a great little utility kind of buff piece for me. And um, I think that's it. The last thing would be the Scuttletide. So I get to take a free end of the spell one of the gets ones with the yeah, so what do you get command that? trait. I was just looking at that. Yeah. Why do you get it for free? So it's the command trait and on the trog thing. boss. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So the, yeah, so the trog boss, um, he has a couple actually pretty good command traits available. Um, he can become a monster, um, which is kind of cool. So he can do monstrous rampages and stuff like that because he's not a monster as standard. Um, but the loon skin is also great. It just essentially lets him take a free end the spell and then be able to cast that spell as if he were a wizard, even though he's not. So you're basically getting a, I mean, the skull tide is 85 points. So essentially I'm just getting an 85 point discount on my army. Um, Cause I mm. would want to take that spell anyway, probably. So yeah, I'm, I mean, um, that's solid. Yeah, it's a lot of value. It's sort um, of like the KO one off the bottle spell in the bottle now or whatever, how it's just free, Yeah. So. Yeah, very We're going to see a lot more of this, unfortunately. Yeah. And um, yeah, the one I took was Skeletide, um, which is um, it's just a great utility piece. Uh, it does a little bit of damage. It can just sort of block people up from, from moving over it. It's uh, like an odd sized base, it's quite long. Um, so it's actually got like a really massive footprint. And the thing with it is that. It comes out of any terrain piece on the board when you cast it. So it's a really great thing to toss up turn one when you might be out of range with your other spells. So it comes out of a terrain piece anywhere on the board. Um, and then it does eight dice, five plus are mortal wounds uh, to something within six of it when it comes out. And then after that, whenever you finish a move within six of it, 
it does the same effect to you. The eight dice, five plus mortal wounds. Um, so on average, it's pumping out, you know, two, three, four, maybe mm. five mortal wounds. Um, so it's chip damage. But the fact that it's kind of sitting there in someone's lines, yeah. whenever they're moving around it, it's also triggering. Yeah. Um, so that's, I that's been really, real... really good. Yeah, I remember Tubby using this on me and it being a real pain in the ass for like my Stormcast heroes. So at the time of like, you know, yeah. move four in the case of a Lord Relictor. Um, <laughs> yeah. But mainly yeah. move five and I was like, I couldn't get away from the fucking thing. So, sure. and it was just like, it's just going to kill my heroes like, over a turn or two. Yep. It's going to kill them. It's sort of like the room, and, right? Like it's it's a good, yes. just sit there and keep tapping, um, which is great. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, and it triggers off of um, like normal move, run retreat and charge i think yeah and then nine has um, got so, like normal moves in the hero phase so you've got out yeah. of phase ones right so yeah i have to check yeah. if out of phase ones work but yeah anyway it's just like a really nice little little spell to just throw up and and do some chip damage um yep. so yeah um and did you and tailor this list. list at all for the pack because i feel like you kind of you no. said something about like you need GCs, and I don't know if that's because Gets have poopy battle tactics, or if that's because the pack really encouraged GCs. Like, was there I mean, any sort of tattering pack... going on, or was it? Yeah, the pack really encouraged GCs. Um, the pack played three of what I consider to be the worst missions in the new, um, the new yeah. GHB, yeah, then. Um, which are all you like, talk about very... that in a bit, but yeah, they yeah, weren't they weren't amazing, true. but they weren't too terrible. I, I thought they were going to yeah. be worse than what they were, to be honest, but they, they were all right. They're just, yeah, they're just, uh, particularly the, so, I forget what this what it's called, but the one that allows you to do two battle tactics if you've got a GC. Path of the Champion. But, yeah, that one yeah, in particular is just, it's just so skewed towards armies that have good battle tactics because if you've got, yeah. like, four solid ones from your book, then you just do two every turn. You know, yeah. You do the ones from the from the from the bat, from the uh, GHB, and you also tag on one of your own. And yeah. then someone who has like nothing good from their book is just just getting shafted. So. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's so, that's my opinion of it too. Is that like if you don't have yeah. some decent book tactics, then you're in the shit. Which. Um, yep. Yeah, like I was playing Luminef, which we'll get into soon. But that, like, they have excellent ones for them. So I feel bad for people that had the, like, my opponent had the opportunity to do two battle tactics one turn and he chose not to. But we'll get into that soon. Sorry, Jess. So yeah. no, it's all a little good. bit of tailoring, so, yeah, but not too much. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew I had to have GCs, but in the case of Gits, they're buff pieces that you want anyway. So, um, yeah, and the, the Gits book is, is the units inside are cheap enough right now that, like, it's fine. You're not you're not struggling to fit things in. So um, it could be different if the points go way up, you know, in the next battle scroll. But yeah, for the moment, you want the GCs anyway because they're your little buff pieces. Um, so yeah, I was more so I more so built the list um, for the tournament that we're both going to in a couple of weeks to the GT, um, and it was kind of a trial run of that list to see what I want to change and. And what I want to modify, um, and so I do have some things I'm changing um, for that event. Um, like I was talking about, how like you know I put the put the foul waters in, in two units of three instead of one unit of six, some stuff like that. Um, but 
yeah, the, the list did really well. It, it, it played great. Um, got nothing but good things to say about the, the new Gits book. Um, but yeah, how about you? How was, how was your list? Yeah, so I took, uh, as I said, Lumine Frownwoods. So um, people who have been listening for a minute will know that I've played Roundworld since they've come out. So I'm not, you know, like a recent bandwagoner, but yeah, I do I do enjoy the army. And the current state that the army's in uh, really works well with my um, play style that I've played sort of when I had a lot of success with my Stormcast, which is essentially casting up conceding early and then scoring late and pushing out when sent at the table so, so it's is, is your list sorry is your list very much the same as your master's list two years ago yeah it seems like so, a very similar archetype right you've been playing yeah. that for a long time yeah so it's it's like not to say that i was ahead of the curve and i appreciate the the you know softball <laughs> you're passing me here jess i really appreciate <laughs> that but the list is um pretty similar to my master's list from two years ago which i won with which um i had a careful right so i've got essentially the meta techless list but my master's list was like techless a careful 30 sentinels um there's three spells again but i had like the uh the twin stones because that was when they just used to give you like plus one casts always and mm. they never went away um and I had like 30 Sentinels and I think I had 20 or 30 Wardens. So I had more Wardens than what you see these days. But anyway, we'll get into that in a sec. So my list was pretty much the meta list for Luminef. So when you think Luminef meta, that's pretty much my list. Um, except I had a slight variation because of the pack because every mission rewarded GCs and the Luminef meta list only has one GC in it and they're rather paper you know, the Kefla, five up save, and they're slow. So I took Teclas, because don't leave home without him. He's just amazing. Uh, mm -hmm. I had the Wind Charger, which is a slight deviation, who had the Howling Gale spell, which is the turn-off battle tactics. So, like, a unit can't assure or receive battle tactics. Goes off on an mm -hmm. eight. It sounds great, but, like, I never used it. Um, mm -hmm. He was just here casting, like, Mystic Shields and shit like that, um, or Burning mm -hmm. Heads. And he had the stubborn as a rhinox trait, which was amazing because um, he has a 16 inch move. So he can just like move very quickly onto objectives. You know, if you rig the dice roll, order run him six, he, um, he goes 22 inches, which in this game is enough to get to, from one objective to any other objective, essentially. Um, he's so a little he guy was, in the cloud, right? Yeah, yeah. He's a little Goku looking motherfucker on Nimbus. So, so <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. That, that's him. Uh, so he's under 20 points as well. And like he's he's very cheap for what he does. Very fast moving. He also buffs the wind charges, gives him an extra, um, makes him move 16, makes him fly properly as well. They start a move whole earth in six. Uh, and then I had a Kefalo, who's my general uh, artifact silver one because it makes her a two cast. Had the Law Master command trait instead of Master and Magic. And that was just so someone else could cast some of the um so law master gives you two extra spells from the law of hash um mm. so i took overwhelming heat ethereal blessing total eclipse on her and like i used overwhelming heat and ethereal blessing from her a couple of times um and it's just so techless isn't using one of his 10 casts on like a spell that goes off on a six so it's just sort of about spreading that risk across the board but mainly mm. what she was doing was her darkness of the soul um, and like maybe an endless spell or something like that um, because the shrine was there so she should get a reroll on the rest of it um, five wind charges oh sorry I'm Helon so wind charges battle line so 
the reason the wind charges are there are because they're 150 points in their bell line and they're cheap ass battle line. So um, blade lords and wind charges at the moment are the cheapest bell line in the book. Um, they are conditional wind charges have to be heal on and blade lords have to have a snarry hero to make a bell line. Um, you know, that might change soon with points updates and the likes because of how successful the army is. So we'll see. Um, a unit of 10 wardens. I had a head speed of hish. And then I had two units of 20 sentinels, so 40 sentinels in total. Um, so unit wardens makes one of those sentinels battle line. Uh, and then endless spells, I had umbral spell portal. I had the rune, which I've been talking about for three years as one of the best endless spells ever. Um, I mean, it literally, um, I mean, Bo will tell you that rune almost, like, it took out like 30 or 40% of his army before he even had a turn at Masters when I did win with Lumineff. Because all those I've never stacked up and that thing just hit him like three turns and it just I rolled hot. Um, mm. And then I took a burning head, which was a little bit um, of a different choice. But to be completely honest, I just saw Jack Armstrong take it and I just fucking mimicked what he did because he's a really <laughs> good player. So uh, yeah. two things that the burning head did. So the burning head uh, one gave me another endless spell. So one of the luminous battle tactics was cast two endless spells. And the spell portal goes off on like a five, but the rune goes off on an eight. So if you fail the rune, you cast the burning head after the rune. And then the rune goes off on a, I mean, the burning head goes off on a five, but it's dispelled if you trigger it. So what you do is you cast it. So you go spell portal, rune, or rune or spell portal. It doesn't really matter. But then you always do the burning head last because it goes off on a five. And then you just put it out to the side of your army so it won't trigger and dispel because the mm -hmm. battle tactic is have two endless spells at the end of the turn that you've um, yep. summoned this turn. So nice. burning head's 30 points. So that was one reason I took it was just redundancy on that battle tactic in case I came across like an Arcan or like a Slan or someone who just like fucked up my magic a little bit. And the second part of the burning head was that I could just run it through my whole army and then four up ignore it and bounce T3 mortal wounds back at my opponent. So um that was, that was the other cool thing, yeah. So the, the way Teclis's aura works is that um, you get to roll a four-up if an enemy wizard casts a spell or an endless spell affects your army, and on a four-up, uh, you can negate it. And then if you roll that four-up, you can pick an enemy unit with an 18 of the of your unit that was affected, and they take D3 mortal wounds. So in one of my games, I just like ran him through my army and just was like, yeah, four-up, 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 just like hammered her. I think it was a more crusher or something, or maybe in my last game against Dylan. Um, so that's handy as well. And also, if yeah, that's the army, cool. and if your opponent gets close enough to you, which they always do, it's just another little two up take D3 mortal wounds. Because one thing that Luminef actually lacks in magic is really offensive spells outside of Teclis's Syrian White Light. So it's just another bit of chip damage. So um, I actually really rate the Burning Head after using it this weekend. I thought it was really fucking good, and I would. 100% use it again. Um, I very much enjoyed using that. It was it was good source. So And then I took Grand Strategy to Day is Ours, which is have more GCs in your army than your opponent's army at the end of the battle, which in my mind was super risky because I've only got two GCs. Um, but I figured I'd want to kill everyone's GCs and I was just hoping I wouldn't run into like, I don't know, like a Gets army or someone who had like five you know stormcast four mm -hmm. or five gcs yeah because if i couldn't kill one or two that'd be i'd be in trouble and the wind mage is out there scoring my like you know he's the, he's the one doing the like have a gc score an objective wholly outside of your territory one 
whatever that battle tactic is. And the win mage is only five wounds on a five up save. And if he's not near techless, he's got no ward save. So um, they're both yeah. pretty squishy, but I took it as a risk and it paid off because I scored every game. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that's really my list. So it's, it's pretty meta. I'm not going to hide from that. Um, I enjoy it. I like playing Luminef. It's pretty, as Jess was patting me on the back, it was pretty similar to what I've always run. I ran pretty much the same list last year at Masters and was unsuccessful. I took a techless Kefalar and a Lord Regent and like 40 Sentinels to that one and um, and some endless spells, but I came up short that time, so that's fine. Um, and yeah, the only slight variation was I chucked in a Wind Mage because, as we talked about, every battle plan encouraged GCs. So mm-hmm. speaking of battle plans, round one was only to Worthy. So um, this is one where... Oh, and I guess we should talk about the pack as well, some of the variations in the pack. So you got an extra point if your army was fully painted at the end of a battle. So every battle. So as long as your army was painted, you got three extra victory points across three games. Um, yep. And then if you finished every turn in your game, you got both players got three additional victory points. That's correct, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and that sort of, I guess it leads into a little bit of a discussion about the, some of the shortcomings of the event, although maybe we save that for after we talk about our results. But um, yeah, essentially there was some uh, some fuck ups with uh, down under pairings, and so um, it ended up that well, it ended up that the that the placings weren't correct at the end of the event. So we had to do some last minute juggling around. The TO did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which um, meant that, like, the data in diameter pairings wasn't correct. Yeah. So because of that, the the tiebreaker had been strength of schedule, and so there was so there was three of us that went three zero. It was mm-hmm. you, me, uh, and then Jimmy Page. All, all Spoilers. Went 3-0. But yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. We, we all went 3-0, but because my game wasn't entered in correctly by the TO, um, my strength of schedule and my results were, were messed up. Skewed, yeah. Um, yeah, we're skewed. So um, w- what we ended up doing to resolve the, um, the top three, uh, to resolve the podium, was um, going to then battle tactics achieved as the sort of second tiebreaker because strength of schedule was broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ended up, I think, being what what sort of decided the the final um, the, the top final placing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was disappointing in that um, I mean it, the three of us were going to come first, second, third in some combination. Um, and so I think all of us were, were fine with that. Um, but it was a little bit disappointing that yep. it wasn't sort of a, a clear cut and dried result. Mm. Um, and because we ended up going with like battle tactics and strength of schedule um, as like tiebreakers in, in some capacity, it meant that the finishing on time VP actually did nothing. Didn't matter, right? Because if, uh. if both, yeah, if both players finish on time, right, then it's just like those, those three points each don't matter at all. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, that was a bit 
a bit weird. It just, it just makes it look like you won a little harder or you lost a little less. Like if you were yes. if you were to separate it by victory points. Like in all three of my games, I think I scored at least thirty one to thirty two victory points, which is pretty yeah. pretty unheard of to be well, I think what's the most you score? Twenty eight, twenty nine normally. So depends on the on the mission. On the but mission. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, so I was scoring above that. But yeah, the, the scoring was yeah. um, the system was a bit was not the down and appearance wasn't um wasn't the best system to use and there was some a bit of a faff at the end with scoring uh with placing so yeah um and it was done a bit on the fly which is a bit stink i mean my only downside to it was really that i don't know we've got three undefeated and i feel like we should just play shadow rounds but you know that's me yeah. <laughs> i like playing warhammer so I'm sure yeah, people were just like, fuck it, I want to go home. But I was like, my only downside was like, damn, this ain't five rounds. We can't have like one true five, five oh undefeated. But, you know, it is what it yeah. is. So I don't think anyone was I like, think... was overly fussed about winning or coming. Se- well, I hope not. I can't, I can only speak for myself. But I wasn't too yeah. phased about where I placed. I just didn't want to go 3 0 and finish fourth because we're, I think there was a little confusion <laughs> that there might have been four 3 0s at one point. And I was like, fuck, I just don't want to be the guy who misses on the podium. Like, I can come second, yeah. third, first. I don't really care. I just don't want to be number four again because I have come fourth at so many fucking tournaments. It's, un- it's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm normally always like the middle to last guy at 4-1 in our tournaments. So, yeah. Yeah, I think with 26, it was technically possible to have four three O's, depending on like people were paired up and down and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, in the end, we got just three. So, um, yeah, I speaking for myself as well, I didn't really care who got first, second, third. It's a one-day RTT. Um, both you and me are super locked in for Masters in terms of the season's rankings. Um, and then Jimmy is uh, still trying to qualify for Masters, but all he needed to have was yeah. a top three finish, and he's he's in easily. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think any of us were overly concerned that no. that about the particular like first, second, third, but it, it was yeah. just a little bit disappointing that it wasn't cut and dried, that there was some ambiguity. Oh, yeah, I agree. You, you never yeah. want to end an event and be like, "What? how well did I do? I don't really know. Well, yeah, but, for, I mean, yeah. I mean, speaking of, when they announced third place, it was someone who wasn't even on the podium in the end, because then everyone was like, wait, how did that happen? So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they, was, they, they, it was they announced third as the opponent that I beat in round three. And I was like, yeah. I went 3-0 and I beat him in my last round. There is no way he's third. Yeah, um, he went up and he was like, yeah. I'm 2-1. How have I come third? Anyway, anyway. So, yeah, the scoring was a bit was a bit naff, yeah. to be honest. And the tie breaks were a yeah. bit unknown. Yeah. And down under parents, I don't think, was um, fit for purpose when you... I mean, my perception of it is that... Like, I like Andy. I've got nothing... Ill to say against him, but he's using down on appearance and has used down on appearance um, for a number of years or events. I don't know, and they're normally, and it's normally fine when you have what you were saying, like the smaller events when you've only got like a dozen or you know less than twenty people, because naturally you'll just have someone rise at the top at that size anyway. But when you have a few more people, it's like oh fuck, you know, like I need something that differentiates, um, you know, that has tie breaks in it. So, and I originally thought it was victory points because. That's how we've been playing a lot recently. Is that like, you know, winners differential? That's how we did Notorious, and that's how a couple of events post Notorious have done that as well. So, like, yeah. how much you win by 20 sort of sliding scale. But 
I mean, I didn't reread the pack, and that's on me. So I'm not. I'm, I'm not worried. <laughs> if I win the games, that puts myself in the best position. But anyway, battle sure. tactics land up being like the tiebreak essentially. So yeah, at least between the podium spots. Yeah. Yeah, I, we don't have a fucking clue where anyone else came in this because the scoring <laughs> yeah. got a bit. The scoring got a bit yeah. messed up. So. Um, yeah. Steven, feel bad for you, buddy, trying to figure that nightmare out, but I don't, I don't fucking know. Eh? <laughs> so like top three, we know, yeah. and that's probably about it. And then there's like 23 other placings that are just flip a coin, it seems, um, because like an extra round got added on or some shit. But anyway, um, yeah. so anyway, yeah. we'll have a quick yarn about our games. Um, Jess, as I said earlier, feel free to go into as much or as little detail as you like, or maybe just key learnings or specific matchups with your army versus your opponent's army and how you found that sort of matchup do you want to go round by round do you just want to do all three what do you want to do i'm, I'm pretty easy um let's just go round by round so that we're kind of going yep. back and forth and that's uh, not just me uh <laughs> just going on for too long about about my own stuff so uh because i want to hear how your games went because um we like hung out a little bit at the event and, and got to like say hey and stuff, but like I didn't get to watch your games because I was obviously deep into my games. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was I mean, in all but, my games pretty much went to time except the second one, but um yeah. so I know that feeling. That was one downside of my weekend, is that or my Sunday, I should say, because it was only a one day, is that I flew mm-hmm. up to Auckland at on the Sunday. So I left Wellington at six AM on a one hour flight to Auckland. So for people who don't know New Zealand, it's a one hour flight. Or it's like a nine-hour drive. Um, so I flew up Sunday morning, 6 a.m., um, and I got to the tournament, I don't know, 8.30, so that's enough time. And then I flew out at, well, it was meant to be 8 p.m., but it was ended up being like 9.30, but whatever, that's fine. And mm-hmm. uh, so I was really only there for like a half hour beforehand and like maybe 10 minutes afterwards. So I didn't really get to social yeah. because yeah. Um, you've got a lot of new players in Auckland and like I did get to meet a bunch of homies and I was like, hey, I'm sure, blah, blah, blah. And people were like, oh, fuck, cool, you came up. You know, and that's one thing I really like about tournaments is the social. But given it was a Sunday and, you know, I know like Stephen just fucked off as soon as this game free finished, came up and like interrupted me as I was playing and it was like, I'm off, bye. So, you know, that's, um, you know, I didn't really get to, to talk to as many people as I wanted. Anyway, it's enough about me. Round one, I need a wevy. I'm going to go mute. Tell me what happened, Jess. Yeah, so um, round one for me was against Daniel. Um, I have a feeling he might be a newer player um, just because of um, sort of uh, some of his stuff was still being painted, which is all all G. And then uh, some of the decisions he made um, were just... um, I think showed a little bit of inexperience. No, no shade on him. He was lovely, um, but um, we, I think we can kind of sum up the game by uh, he was playing Thrones of Cain. He was playing uh, Xanthar Kai, so the fight on death with um, Medusa snake ladies. Um, but um, he had so his list was as I can remember it was uh, Little Marathi, Big Marathi. Um, uh, either an iron scale or a Medusa. I think it was a Medusa because it had the stare. Uh, so yeah, a Medusa um, and a uh, shrine, the more expensive shrine, uh, the Hag Queen, no, Slaughter Queen. Um, so that was his heroes. So his hero is taking up the bulk of his army there. Um, and then he had uh, 10 fighty snakes, uh, two times five shooty snakes, 
and um, five harpies to drop down. Um, but kind of where I could see maybe that he was a newer player is that, um, you know, it's the two five bow snakes, not a unit of 10 or a unit of 15. So he's sort of like losing some, some efficiency there by having the two small units. Um, similarly, he has the one unit of harpies um, and not two. So he can't achieve that really easy battle tactic that Doc has where they like drop down, drop, they shoot yeah. you. And yep. then they automatically move and they just get the battle tactic. So yeah, um, yeah, there's a couple things like that. I could see, uh, oh, like I could tell going in, it wasn't that optimized. Um, and then kind of the kicker was that uh, turn one, because I gave him first turn, uh, he charged the Shadow Queen into my nine trog line. Uh, and the Shadow Queen just sat there all game until she died. <laughs> yeah. um, so <laughs> I mean, Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was rough. I tabled him uh, essentially. I think at the end of turn two, he had one bow snake left in his entire army, and then uh, we rolled turn three priority. I won it, and we shook hands. Um, so uh, yeah, it was a really quick game. Um, my bounders uh I, I also doubled him one to two so he he charged the shadow queen into me which allowed me to damage her put three wounds on her in his turn one and so it was uh which allowed me to do three wounds to her in his turn one my turn one my turn two his turn two so i killed the shadow queen in his turn two uh because he allowed those three wounds to get onto her in in his turn one um, and then, uh, so like while Marathi was just stuck on my trogs, um, I sent 10 Boing Rot bounders around the side, charged and one shot his uh, Medusa and his 10 Fighty Snakes um, in my turn one. And then turn two, those same bounders uh, rallied and then hooked around the backside uh, into his cauldron and uh, bow ladies. And uh, that was that was just it. It was it was fast and brutal, and um, just uh, I think uh, a very challenging list for a new player to go into on with with my list. Um, and then um, I'm a a doc player as well, so I kind of knew exactly what his army did uh, and exactly where to apply the pressure. That and he just fed me Marathi. So the, those things combined uh, to make it. Uh, I scored maximum score, I think, and then was was done by turn three. So yeah, yeah, great way to start an event. Yep. So yeah, I was, I was certainly feeling good after game one. I was like, all right, they got the juices going. I got some, got got a win. I'm feeling good. Yep, nice way to start a Sunday morning. That's for sure. Um, so that's cool. Um, so yeah, I played Tim Lin, who is a um, one of my oldest Warhammer mates. To be fair, I've known him since. 2015, I think now, so it's eight years. Um, pretty much when the world blew up, he was the one championing Warhammer uh, Age of Sigma within this country, so I got a lot of love for Tim. Uh, Tim was playing, Tim's had a couple of babies last, like, two, three years, so he really has not been doing a lot of Warhammer of late. Um, and he's playing um, Ossiarch Bone Reapers because he loves death and all that sort of shit. So he's playing Petrifix Elite, which is, um, I don't know, probably about as good as o OCR get. Um, but anyway, they're not they're not great. They need a new book. I think there's one coming soon for them. 
Uh, he had Arcan, which could um, legitimately fuck up Miami because he's got plus two to cast and he's got three unbinds, I think it is, off top of my heads. And mm-hmm. even though I'm casting on tens, you know, an average dice roll on 2d6 is a seven. So, you know, seven and a half, eight, whatever it is. So um, he's got a good chance of unbinding shit. And if he finds some arcane, then it's even more so. And he's got two Mortisan Bone Shapers. Um, he's got two blocks of Mortec Guard. They're both 30 models a unit. And then he's got um, two times five Death Riders. And then he's got a Harvester. And then he's got a Nightmare Predator, whatever that is. And he's also on a Battle Ridge, so it's a one drop. Um, and really what Timmy wants to do is just sort of get in objectives and just keep healing. Because like Arcane gives you like three models and the Bone Shapers give you, I think, one or two models or three models as well. Um, each and then you've also got the Gothistar Harvester that gives you models on like four ups so he just wants to recycle units pretty much well recycle models of Mortec Guard and I mean Mortec Guard ignore Ren 1 they have a four up save um, he's got some useful spells from Arcan like um, Powder Netherite Weapon so he explodes better and then he's got um, the five up Mortal Wound save so he's, he's he can be pretty grindy He's got 121 wounds as well, which is a fair amount of wounds for an army that has um, a six-up ward save across the board and then a five-up on the unit with a spell in addition to just bringing models back as well. So um, he's pretty resilient and he can he can stick around for a minute and you know fuck around and find out. Um, so we're playing only to Worthy and there's a good picture on my Twitter, um, shameless plug here, at AOS Sean, S-H-A-U-N 89. Um, is the picture of his deployment and my deployment. So we roll priority. I mean, not priority. We roll for deployment. He wins the deployment. Uh, one side of the board has this fat piece of arcane scenery right in the middle, like by the objective, uh, by your home base objective. And he takes that side, of course, which, I mean, I would have taken that side too. And then what he does is he um, proceeds to deploy his army completely in halves. So he puts 30 more tech, Guard, Bone Shaper, and five Death Riders in one of his corners and like right in the corner. And then he puts the exact copy of that. So another 30 Mortec Guard, another five Death Riders, and another Bone Shaper in the other corner. So he has pretty much his whole army evenly split out in the two corners between the Mortec Guard, the Death Riders, and the Bone Shaper. Then what he does is he puts Arcan, and Tim admitted this was a bit of a brain fart, is he puts Arcan in the middle of his deployment next to his objective, which had the big juicy bit of arcane scenery. And the hope was that he would be plus three to cast and plus three to unbind with that arcane scenery and arcane, which obviously isn't, you know, a bad thing. And it's what I would have done too. However, in him doing that, arcane was far enough forward that I could shoot him turn one pretty easily. Um, And given the way Tim had deployed, which was in the corners on both ends with like half his army, and then with Arkane in the middle, um, it sort of indicated to me that I'll probably be going first. So what I did is I just measured out 30 inches from Arkane. I just put like my all my casters just behind that 30 inch line. And um, we finished deploying. He goes, oh, you went no. first. And I was like, yeah, cool, sweet. <laughs> I cast all my spells and like they all got off because he couldn't unbind anything. And I was like, yeah, cool. I'm just going to walk these 40 sentinels like four inches up. Yep, they're all within 30 now, Tim. Okay, cool. And I put my... I put my um, center shells, so like the casters and the sentinels, the heroes. So I used to put them at the front of the board. Like I used to put them in the corners of the units when they didn't need line of sight and stuff like that. Now I put them in the back so I don't pull them off. 
and they're way there further away for unbinds and the like. So I just moved them up slightly and um, I shot off Arcane top of turn one and then I scored five points. I scored all the ejectors because his army was just as far from the ejectors as they could be. And Tim was like, well, that's game. <laughs> and he um, he admitted that he the whole <laughs> yeah. idea was that he was going to deploy out of my ranges, although that's near impossible given I can make a unit go 12 inches and then shoot 30 and then I can teleport with this deployment type and it's just half the board. Um, but he just, like, he saw the arcane scenery and he just got, like, uh, I don't know if gear in the headlights is the right word, but he just got, like, greedy. He just got arcane greedy. And he jumped on it. And so I shot arcane off and then he... Then he, I scored five points, and he went, and I think he scored one point of that. Um, and then I think I won priority, and I just took it because I was like, "Well, I can just double my lead pretty easily," and killed some shit. And then by turn five, we called it um, pretty much top of turn five after priority, and I'd I tabled his army, but it, oh, I, yeah, I I think he had like eight more tech left, and I had like a bunch of sentinels and techless and all that sort of shit, so. I think it was a pretty convincing win to me when we added up the points. I think I won by about 15 points or so. So I was pretty happy about that. I didn't max out. There was one round. I only scored one, two and a battle tactic. I didn't score more because I think it was turn three or four when he finally got his 60 more tech out of the corners into the middle of the board. Um, but turn two, I killed his harvester and then I started killing his heroes so he couldn't like, start regening. So that was cool. Um, and yeah, and then after I bet him, Tim reminded me that I'm now um, one free against him in tournaments. So I think he's won three tournament games against me and I've won one. And that being my first one, so that's cool. Um, I knew I hadn't beaten him in a tournament, but I wasn't sure of the exact score, but clearly Timmy knew. So, And Timmy, again, as I said, he hasn't played for a few years because of babies and he's playing OBR. So it wasn't, um, I think I called him OCR before, OBR. Um, you know, they're not overly competitive at the minute. And his army hates my army because all my army does some mortal wounds. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah, cool. So it was a it was a good win against Timmy for me. I mean, pretty, you know, um, not to sound too cocky, but expected given the armies and the mission. And the way he deployed Arkham was a real freight there. And since I got rid of him, it was, you know, pretty smooth sailing from then onwards. Um, what I will say is that I scored, yeah, so I dropped one point. So given the pack and all the extra points you could score I think I got 31 out of 32 points so I assumed I was going to be playing someone who was in a similar boat but because of using down under pairings and how the scoring worked in down under pairings um, I guess you just got paired up against another winner so I sort of dodged who I thought were the top players all weekend which I was a bit bummed about because I did want to play them because I'm trying to sort of what I'm doing is I'm trying to build my list towards Masters in May so you know, winning's great, but I also want to play other top-tier players with their good lists as well. And um, to be fair, I played three lists that I play relatively regularly. So I was a bit bummed about that, but fucking hey-ho, whatever. Um, so round yeah, two. Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, I think that down into pairings, either the way it was set up or just kind of by default, mm. um, just did bracket pairing. So like, Anyone yeah. who won their first game could play yeah. anyone else who won their first game. So yeah, I would have liked to see more direct pairings in terms of like yeah. for me as well, getting more practice because yeah. like we should say that the field was kind of divided at this event. It was like maybe there were six or seven of us who were like quite comp players and like yeah. who brought who brought like really hard lists. 
Yeah. Um, and then there was like, um, you know, 15, like a, a bunch of people who kind of were coming back to the, to AOS who've been taking yep. some time off. And so like, there was a real divide between sort of like the, the real competitive lists and the people who are just kind of going for a experience and to kind of get, get back into it. So, um, yeah, that was, that made it a little bit like my game three was quite challenging. Um, but my, my first two were sort of like, mm. I wasn't, I wasn't stressing too much, but, um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, that's, um, yeah, I agree. I can't really add anything more than that more to that. I would have yeah, rough played people who were winning by some margins, but to be fair by the sounds of it, there's a lot of people who were winning big. So, yeah. um, I just didn't seem to play any of them in the rounds but that's all right so round yep. two was path of champion which is the one that you talked about earlier about if you have a gc and you're going second and you're on an objective wholly outside your territory no you don't even have to go second right just a gc yeah. yeah on an objective wholly outside your territory you get to pick yep. two battle tactics which yep. um i'll just say i think it's fucking toxic and bad for the game it oh, just reminds me of yeah. just reminds me of the old like relocation orb where if you go second you get three points but if you go first you get one yeah. And you just like give away turn the first turn for like the first three turns. You're like, ah, you can't win the game anymore. You can't actually score more than nine points. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, I don't like it, but that's what it was. And that's fine. I'm not too fussed. I was happy to play in the tournament. I knew that that was the mission before I played in it. So anyway, round two, Jess, what you got? Yeah, so I had um, Dan Maguire round two. Um, and uh, you'll Luminaire. have some- yeah, yeah. you have something to say about this because he was running um, kind of the c- cookie cutter Helon list uh, mm-hmm. to some extent with um, yeah, uh, some Dawn uh, Riders, but that was yeah, about, uh... yeah. And so uh, he had Teclas, uh, he had a Caligrave with Master of Magic and the Silver Wand, Overwhelming Heat, and Tunnel Master. Yeah, that was um, the wrong hero. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's fine. So, <laughs> so he had that, and um, you know, kind of like the. Uh, the, the net lists have right now it just has the one gc and so i was able to capitalize on that quite a bit in in our game um so uh just those two heroes techless and the caligrave uh, and then he had uh 20 sentinels 20 sentinels uh 10 wardens 10 wardens and then uh five dawn riders and then uh the rune of petrification and the spell portal so yeah just very very by the book uh for this type of helon build so um, the build itself is really strong, um, but um, I think Dan also has had some like life stuff going on and he's not been playing as regularly. So um, I felt like I could probably have a, have a good shot at, at beating this list. Um, so, and uh, spoiler alert, I did. So um, yeah, so basically what he did, I think also like he had heard a bit about kind of how gits are right now. I think he was a bit scared of my list. Um, can't speak for him, but uh, he deployed, you know, in the typical castle, um, you know, back in, in, in one corner. Um, and um, yeah, I, not a ton to say about the game. I was able to kind of push up, get on all three objectives so he was just on his home objective um and i was able to to score high i had two turns where i was able to score two battle tactics uh each turn because the gets battle tactics there's probably four quite solid ones in the book um 
So yeah, I had two seven point turns. Um, I think maybe turn two and three were seven point turns. Um, so um, yeah, I was able to just get up and scoring, uh, sort of pin him back in his deployment. And uh, he didn't get out of his deployment really until turn four, um, where he like teleported um, some Sentinels onto the other side of the board in kind of a last ditch effort. Um, yeah. But uh, like you were saying before, Sean, about how um, like you were a little bit worried about uh, Arcan with his plus two to cast, kind yeah, of being a, a nuisance for Teclas and that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, so I don't have Arcan, but I have the better Arcan, Scragrot. <laughs> uh, and uh, so Scragrot has a plus one to cast built in. Uh-huh. Uh, but I had a really favorable arcane terrain piece. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of forward in my deployment zone. So I could basically sit Scragrot on that arcane and mm-hmm. be within 24 of his army for his spell. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could comfortably kind of just like park him there for the entire game, essentially make him a uh, plus two to cast. Um, and uh, I rolled really hot with him, um, mm-hmm. like, like happens sometimes in a dice game. And I unbound um, the Technado uh, in turns one and two. Hmm. Um, he, Dan went for four casts on Teclas, uh, for the entire game. Um, and so I think I inbound on an 11 the first time and then a 13 the Did second time. Plus one from like the shrine or the moon as well, or no? No, I think the moon no. used to give plus one, yeah. but now so it's you just, only get, yeah, so it's just plus one built in. It's plus yeah. two. Yeah. So yeah. plus two is honestly, as a, as someone who plays Teclas a lot and, um, <laughs> often tries to always cast on 10. As soon as someone starts getting plus two, you do start getting worried because as long as they have enough unbinds, but I mean, I don't know if they roll fucking dice. It just goes off in 10s. I know, you know, 99% of the time it works, but that, you know, yep. it's just something that because you're a Luminef player and you're playing Tickless, you just get sort of shoehorned into like, this is automatic and this is going to happen. And all yep. it takes is like one little fucker with like plus two or plus three to come along and be like, ha ha. And you're like, fuck, or like a, a reroll or like a 3D6 unbind. And you're like, oh my God, that's derailed everything. Sorry. Anyway, not to derail your chat, Jess, but that's just no, my that's, um, two cents totally playing Teclas. It's, it's, it's fully psychological yeah. as well. So, yeah. And I, I really felt that with him. And, you know, also, this is a, a pretty much a brand new army for him. So I think I definitely felt that um, you know he was kind of learning some of his rules and and um, you know, didn't have a lot of games under his belt um, to yeah. sort of like to kind of like because once you have a bunch of games under your belt, you'll have been in that situation before mm. and you'll have done that forecast at ten and yep. you'll have had your key spells unbound yep. and that will make you a bit more wary in the future. But um, I think yeah he was just kind of in that mindset of just like four at 10 here we go here we go you know yep. and um yeah and to be fair I, ro- I rolled hot like yeah i i rolled a i think a like a a nine which became an 11 and then i rolled an 11 which became a 13 on those yeah. two unbinds so like i was i was rolling hot like on, on balance probably the odds were in his favor but <laughs> you kind of learn at some point like when you are wanting to take risks and when you aren't you yes. know, and when, it, when it's appropriate to kind of shoot for it and when it's not. And um, basically him not getting that AOE damage on me two turns in a row at the start of the game mm. allowed me to push forward 
not take any chip damage really because one of the big downsides of gits is they have low bravery mm -hmm. and so like one of the things that i'm you know really worried about as a gits player is someone like um like seraphon someone like techless who yeah. can just put out a bunch of d3 mortals all over the place and just force me to take battle shock tests um and i've got a triumph in the back pocket um to pass battle shock just in case i need it but at the same time when you've got like bravery five trolls when you've got bravery four other stuff um yeah you just hate taking that that little bit of chip damage um so unbinding that spell two turns in a row was was just just an amazing boost for me like if i wasn't feeling good anyway i was definitely feeling good having unbound those two spells um so yeah other than that there's not a whole lot to say about the game um i left him uh at uh, turn five he had 20 sentinels and uh the caligrave left mm. um who had uh teleported into like a corner of the board um but i just got way up on points with uh, doing double battle tactics yeah and then um yeah i just i just cleaned it up i killed techless in turn five i think um so yeah not yeah. a whole lot to say there it's um i guess the only thing to say about it is really like i don't know if if you feel this playing it sean i'd be interested to hear your perspective but mm -hmm. for for me the the tech list list uh particularly the like kind of meta helon list is one of the least interactive most boring lists to play against in the game right now um it's just like none of that game was engaging for me um in no part due to to dan as a person or a player it's just what the list does and how it wants to play while being real effective it's just it's basically stuff that i don't interact with for most of the game and it just sits there in its castle and yeah. does its thing and and that's that's like there wasn't any like kind of give and take and mm. and like you know cool cool plays going on different things happening around the board it was just like there's this one big big guy in the back with all of his archers around him and he just kind of sits there and does his thing and so um that's no shade on the you know on the the army or the player like yeah. It's a, tor a tournament and you should bring an effective list. And as, yeah. as a competitive player, I certainly, you know, I have no qualms about bringing the filthiest filth that I can bring. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah, just like I haven't actually played against that, that techless list before. Mm -hmm. And uh, having played against it now, I just, it was, it was a really um, just sort of like lukewarm game just because the list, yeah. the list was like, just not, not fun to play against. So. Yeah, yeah. So I played against it. So I think there's a like to answer your question as directly as I can without going into a side rant because there's a number of levels to your question. I think, and one of them I'm very passionate about um, is I played against this list once prior to the book being what it is now. So I played against it when it was when it was better. I oh excuse me when it was better arguably because you had like rerolls to shoot and shit like that on yep. a target for example yep. you had lambent light and i played it with my stormcast dragons and i got to choose the turn and i got to drop on him and i killed a bunch of his ship before he could even do anything so the one time i've played against it it was fine but i had sort of that insight that i could 
deal with it. And plus, I had some dragons that ignored magic on four up, which is part of the reason I took him. But to answer your question, I I think it is probably pretty boring to play against, to be fair. Like, it just does what it does, which is sits in the corner for one to two turns and then just does mortal wounds at you through techless, through rune of petrification, through bouncing mortals back at you if you run endless spells through your own army, or if you have endless spells that are offensive. The sentinels shoot at 30 inch range as long as there's another unit of sentinels or a ballista nearby. Um, and they do mortal wounds on fives to hit, which is pretty unengaging because for the most part you're on 20 dice or you're sorry, you're rolling 19 dice because champ doesn't get a shot or you're rolling 38 dice if you're within six inches. And really you're just looking for hit rolls. Like you don't even care about if anything wounds. You're just looking for the hit rolls. Um, so the army just sprays mortal wounds at you for two turns and then goes and tries to score on objectives and turns that are three, four, five, or maybe two, three, four, five, depending on how the first turn went. But I, yeah, I would, I can see it being pretty boring, to be honest. If you, like, if you have like nine long strikes and you shoot Techless off turn one, that army plays completely different because then you're scrambling and you have to start pushing and moving because Techless just gives you that, that five up save, which effectively um, adds food to your wound count. Then he just protects you from all sorts of magic. So it encourages the army just to hug him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would agree. It's probably, while I haven't played against it in this variation of the game, um, I'd say it's probably pretty boring to play against. And I think that's fair criticism. And I think that's something that Luminef players need to own. So, yeah, like, you know, it just, it's not as automatic as, I don't mean it's as automatic as old school blood murder hosts, which would move like 5d6 before the game even started and then charge you right away or vanguard wing deploying a new or old school ko clown car of just oh if i win a double turn i win the game because i blow blow you off the board or um old school's inch like there is parts of this that you have to that your opponent can fuck with like because if and this is this is one thing i always tell my opponents is that when i'm playing this list against them and they're like trying to unbind tickles i'm like don't just don't just go for the sentinels you know go for the sun metal weapons because that's where like two thirds maybe three quarters of my army's damage comes from and quite often the sentinels are and because i've got like eight nine spells and most people when you have i don't know two to four to five unbinds they're like oh i've got to try techless i'm like well techless is doing on tens sentinels might only be rolling sixes or sevens you know um which is why you want the lord regent for redundancy so that would be my advice if you're playing against the list is unbind the the sub metal weapons because that's um that's what does all the damage but yeah no to to your point to be as direct as i can it would be pretty boring play against any of my other big rant is i don't like how scoring works in this game but maybe i'll talk about it later um <laughs> that's a whole other thing but yeah yeah, yeah I, um, because this army like leverages how the game scores so hard yeah. that it's stupid but yes. anyway um, yeah, and like to your point, like I unbound a decent amount of some metal weapons, and like that's the ones I was going for basically. Like I have five unbinds in my army, so I was always tossing an unbind at some metal on the on the sentinels, um, and then um, either saving one of the unbinds at plus two uh, for techless or both for techless depending on like what he was he was casting um but yeah i think it, it also kind of speaks to the fact that like yes this is an extremely strong metal list 
but it's a little bit unforgiving to play like to to pilot rather um like because yeah, so much not, of it just happens well it's not like you, sorry it's, it just ha it happens but like i feel like it's not an easy list to pilot necessarily which i think mm. is deceptive because like yes like you as a good player can just be like all this stuff happens boom 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 like th there we go but like i could kind of see with dan like being unfamiliar with the army yeah like because you're so castled up and yeah. because you're not scoring well in turns one and two and because you're not really pushing out like you said until you've kind of like cleaned up some stuff and then yeah. your army kind of unpacks yeah. because of that and because it's reliant on spells and like all these different sort of layers uh and because you're just kind of in one corner on a, on a single objective mm -hmm. if if you choose the wrong time to unpack or if you don't unpack fast enough or if you get a couple of key spells um unbound like you mm -hmm. said i think the army can can suddenly tip and and like you can lose ground really fast and that's what happened i think in, in my game um yeah so yeah i think like to 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 like give the list a little bit of credit um like i think you kind of do have to be smart about playing it um or or like know it pretty well and have run it through various kinds of scenarios before which is yeah i think the the knowledge gap that dan was lacking um and for no reason other than that he had just made the army like i don't mm. know if it was his first game or second game with the army versus me but like he was definitely very fresh to it and i could kind of feel that with him a little bit yeah yeah i mean really to be honest it's don't fuck up your magic like you have to do your magic in a very specific order whether it be baiting out people's unbinds or making sure you're using the right buffs at the right time you know am i going to get doubled do i need to put a fear of blessing on techless because he's got a four up save and it's just ring too so prevalent. So, you know, it's like uh, ethereal blessing just ignores modifiers positive and negative. And that's like statistically better than a um than a mystic shield and doing all that defense every time he gets shot because you run out of CP or using those Aether courts um and you just spend it elsewhere and stuff like that. So it's it is sort of like don't fuck up your magic and then figure out your priority targets when you're shooting. And that's really it to be honest like so mm. it's not it's not it's not entirely smooth brain but it's not you know it's not a big brain army as well at the same time and i mean to be fair i was playing my game only went like an hour and a half i think and i was playing right next to you guys and i turned around and dan was just still sitting in the corner and like turned four and i was like well he's lost this game because he's not scoring like yep. he needs to start pushing so yeah yeah that's that's exactly what happened it, it just felt like it just felt like you controlled the whole board and he was just still in his castle like the yeah. whole game and i'm like mate you can't fucking score one objective for five turns and win the game like you can do that for two turns maybe three turns but you can't do it for five yeah yep i was just applying a lot of pressure and like i got um like 10 bounders kind of got out on his flank and charged techless and left him on one wound um so i think that was my turn two or three and so after that happened he had to basically like in his next turn like fly techless like behind his lines back into the corner um and then like kind of be on the defensive and like everything started to kind of um fall apart for him there because i think he was afraid of losing techless which to be fair he would have had he not 
Um, yeah, that's a very got, big rule. Got him yeah. out of dodge. Yeah, um, it goes down my, easy. Yeah, and my army just applies a lot of damage uh, and uh, can be quite fast. Um, so I think I just um, sort of play, played played aggressively and um, used the threat of damage to try to make him do what I want him to do, and that was more or less successful. And then I had some lucky unbinds and. Um, and that kind of stuff but yeah how yep. was um how was your game two for my game two i played uh stephen elliott so shout out stephen uh he is from scotland so we had a bit of a yarn about that because my dad's from scotland so but he was playing um iron jaws blood tooths uh he's playing uh grand strategy was wag uh i don't even know what that is have you mega boss in enemy territory or some shit i think it was they're all live uh so he had a mega boss on more crusher uh, War Chanter, War Chanter, and then he had a Mega Boss on foot, and then he had Shaman, which of course had the um, Green Hand of Gork, which I believe is a teleport spell. And then he had Pigs. He had six Pigs, six Pigs, three Pigs, three Pigs, and he was double better reach, so he was a two-drop. Um, and he won the roll-off, and so it's two roll-offs I've lost now, and he took the side with um, the Arcane, to be fair, which was not a bad idea. Um, and then I just built a castle, and that board quarter so again we're playing path of champions so it's just four quarters and i just put my army sort of around my objective and just use my wardens and wind charges the screens which i knew were just going to get clapped but that's fine um because i'm one drop and he's two i had the choice to turn and i gave him the turn and he's like oh are you sure i'm like yeah man go nuts and then he um brought like a third of his army across he brought like a his mega he brought his more crusher across he brought six pigs and three pigs and he came in and just clapped like my screen which is fine that's what i expected him to do um and then he's because he's blood tooths he charged me at the end of his combat so he charged like six pigs into 30 sentinels and did some mortal wounds on the charge before I had my buffs up so it was fine um and then I went and then I killed like, I don't know, like six pigs or something like that. <laughs> Nine, eight pigs. I, I can't remember. Like I didn't kill all the pigs, but I killed, I killed the unit of six. And I think I killed two of the unit of three. And I took like 13, 14 wounds off his more Crusher. And then more importantly, I did Darkness on his Soul on his more Crusher, which made him roll against his bravery every time he wanted to do something. Um, and I'd also transferred i was deliberately burning afa courts to debuff his bravery and then he happened to be sitting on a piece of sinister scenery and i dropped the rune on him as well so that was just tapping him and then we roll off and i was like look if i win the roll i'm just gonna win the game and he was like yeah if you win a roll you win the game <laughs> sort of thing like um he still had you know a unit of six pigs and another unit of three pigs um but i had a the Syrian white light mortal wound bomb from teclas went super hot the first turn and it hit everyone but a shaman and I was rolling like fours and fives on his war chanters. So they were like almost dead. Um, and then round two happened and he brought in like six more pigs, I think it was. And he couldn't roll above his bravery for the charge for his more crusher because he was rolling on bravery six. So you have to roll equal to or under your bravery every time you do like an action uh, other than issue commands um, or cast spells or do prayers and um he failed that so we couldn't charge some more crusher he sent six more pigs in because they're at six inches i weathered the storm because i'm minus one to hit and i'm five up save and like i'm just doing all that defense because he can't monstrous he can't roar me and i'm doing burning nafer courts as well so i'm plus two save 
so I'm essentially like a five out of five up. Um, and of course, I'm saving CP for Battle Shock, and like I just killed his picks in the next turn. Uh, so he pinned me for the first two turns, and it was just a matter of like if I ever win a double turn, I'm just winning this game, which he knew. He knew after turn one he'd pretty much lost it because he killed my screens, which is fine, and I didn't care about him killing my screens. But he didn't have that sort of he didn't full send it um, for you know like a very Kiwiana Australasian term, I guess is like you go full send. Um, Mm-hmm. he yeah. went sort of like half our send and because he did that he didn't have enough sort of push through to tie me up in combat because if he'd done like a more crusher and two lots of six pigs and if i had to focus on 12 pigs in my turn one i just actually don't have the damage to do 60 wounds in a turn yeah. across yeah. two turns yeah but in one turn no um I mean, maybe maybe I could have, but I doubt it. Like, I very much doubt it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Arcane bolting him. I was um, doing that one where Teclis just draws a line and you do mortal wounds on a two-up for everyone that goes over. I forgot to actually total eclipse him in my first turn because I've just been playing OBR and I didn't cast total eclipse at all once because they don't use CP. Um, and I was like, how the fuck is this guy moving all this shit? Every time I play Iron Jaws, they can't do shit and they charge me and they kill my screens and then I table them. Like, that's how... I've played Iron Jaws with this army in the past. And I was like, oh, fucking Total Eclipse. So I was like, oh, well, I better Total Eclipse turn two. Um, yeah, and then like he scored seven points, I think, turn two and three, which had me concerned for a minute. But because my my win mage goes so far, he just like jumped around to one of the side objectives that wasn't even defended. And um, I think we called it turn four. Like I, I you know, by turn three, I'd, killed everything but his shaman i think it was so like yeah his army comes in i just do mortal wounds he hates mortal wounds i killed his mega boss in turn two i killed his second unit of six pegs i think turn three or turn two i wasn't i can't honestly remember um i remember teclas making a charge against like two war chanters and then after that all he had left was um was that shaman because he was sitting in the corner on arcane in his home base so yeah like it was like this this army this teclas army and i've played a quite a bit of stormcast with like gav and castling and um we have a lot of iron jaws players in our country i don't know why we do but we do so you always have to be able to prepare for like iron jaws charging you in their hero phase top of turn one yeah. So even when I was yeah. building my Stormcast, I was always cautious about Iron Jaws just having enough armor to deal with Iron Jaws. And he wagged on turn one, and I was like, okay, cool, man. You're going to kill two screen units. That's fine by me. Um, so, yeah, like, and we finished the game in, in an hour and a half, I think. I, I think he scored five points, and I scored three points. And I think he scored seven, and I scored, like, three points again. And I scored four points because I grabbed one of the objectives. And then I think it was, like... I score seven, he scores one, and then I score seven, and he scored zero, and then I scored five, and he scored zero as well. So I can't remember what the score was at the end, but it's just like I pretty much won that game on matchup, to be honest. If he was a one drop and he told me to go first, I don't know if I have enough um, output to hit him from, especially in that deployment, because it is those corners. I don't know if I can do enough damage to him from that far across the board. And then we have two turns of him attacking me. So, um, yep. yeah, me being able to tell him to go first was pretty awesome. So I can't yep. really complain about that. And um, 
Yeah, I think that and was his a bit error of, like, was not full sending it as well. He should have went like everything into my army. Totally. Yeah, I think that um, that's like an experience thing um, to like know because he he's played Iron Draws for a while and he is used to just rolling over people with his picks. Um, and um, I think that you did like just the the perfect thing, which is to um, to give a destruction player turn one and just let the destruction brain take over and just like just like let yeah. them let them punk themselves yeah steven <laughs> steven's a lovely guy and i'm pretty sure he's no, smarter he's, than he's that. Great. But that he's great that, but that was like it that was literally it i was like this smooth brain destruction player is just gonna turn one charge me <laughs> and it's gonna be fucking awesome and he, yeah. and he didn't disappoint it's exactly what he did and i was like yeah cool. and i was like, like have you the classic yeah, and I was like, have you played Luminef before, bro? Because then like, all those pigs get into my Sentinels and my Wardens and my Wind Mages aren't minus one to hit because they don't... Sh- the Wardens have Shining Company, but because I was trying to screen as hard as I could, I was doing like, you know, little triangles at the end and then one, 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 and I was just sprinting them as hard as I could to block as much board. And I was like, have you played Luminef before? And he... And, cause, sorry, the point of me saying that is when you go into Sentinels, they minus one to hit. Um and he was like, yeah, I played inside Ben, but it wasn't sort of like this, is what he was saying. So um yeah. I don't I don't know what that meant exactly to be honest, but yeah, anywho. Yeah. So it's it's like it's a good matchup. I got to choose the priority. I can't really complain. I, I'm not trying to make the game sound any more strategical than it was. It was literally like survive his turn one. And then um if I didn't survive that, then yeah. shit there might be something here to do um otherwise once he gets into my 18 inch kill box i'm just gonna blow him off with fucking mortal wounds and spells and all that sort of shit because his wizard's 55 inches away you know hiding on a piece of arcane scenery um yep. and he did have one opportunity to sort of snake his six pegs around my wardens into my sentinels because my sentinels are about like five six inches behind his wardens because I was like, I don't want him to pile and then reach. So I think there was six, but I forgot about his like charge at the end of the combat phase shit. So mm-hmm. it was an easy enough charge for him to make, but it wasn't within piling and um, whatever weapon reach profile is. So I think they're about five and a half, six away. Yeah. And yeah, there was one point where his six picks could have charged around the wardens just because I couldn't block off that much space into the sentinels, but he would have had to roll like... 12 or something and i know he was on a plus one but i think he only rolled like a four or a five to charge with and then plus one on top of that and he only like just made the charge so yeah yeah it could have been worse but no it was it was fine it was yeah yeah and steve is a, i've played that matchup before um, as you know i sort yeah. of knew what to expect to be honest yeah 100 percent. and steve's a lovely guy like i got i got lots of time for for him um and uh he didn't really play much um last ghb so um we're gonna we're gonna chalk that down to him shaking off the rust and uh and we'll give him we'll give him a pass there but uh yeah, yeah, good, good, yeah. good result and like you said it's an excellent matchup for you in fact the um that spell where like you have to roll equal to or lower than your bravery to mm. to move or charge like that one you're talking about like mm-hmm. dan hit that on my nine trolls Hmm. Uh, and it's crippling to a yeah. low bravery army, like especially an army that has a, a Death Star unit. Like yeah. my like my nine rock guts with their bravery five, um, essentially two turns they were doing nothing because of that spell, um, which is which can be really crippling. So um, yeah, that's really good into the destruction matchup for sure. Yeah, uh, and his like 
and his maw crusher was just sitting like five inches away from my army with his like dick in his hands not being able to do anything so like you know yeah, it's just sort tough. of like and and he was just like oh fuck like when he failed when he rolled to see if he could charge and he couldn't he was like yeah this is going to be bad because this <laughs> yes. is because you're just going to kill him like right away and i'm like yeah that's definitely going to happen so um yeah fair enough anyhow so yeah no it was uh um it was yeah it was good for me i can't complain um and it wasn't a great mission or a great matchup for him to be honest so um yeah i i can't really say anything more than that to be honest um yeah winner winner chicken dinner (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah so anyhow um and no steve's a great guy definitely play him again um and yeah yeah because like for him right it's sort of like i don't come near you and you shoot me off over four or five turns or i come at you and i hope that i do well yeah and then you just take me off anyway so um i really think the only critique i could give him in the sense of trying to offer him feedback so he can play that mission better is just send more pigs in you know and just make me have to really fight out of my corner and just put your heroes on all the other objectives and just score try score as many points as you can over the first three four turns um which is another rant of mine about how scoring works but yeah, 100%. Uh, but that's that's really it hey like he couldn't he just he, he couldn't do it um he didn't get enough in and that was fine so yeah anyway we'll move on yeah. so so round three we're playing position of power so this is one where you got two home bases it's half the board two home bases and you got the objectives out wide um and you get an extra point if you've got a gc unit on those objectives and then in yep. turn four those objectives disappear so yep. round three we're both two and oh yes we didn't get to play each other um is what mm. it is but there was a bunch of uh two oh people at this point in time so who did you pair up against uh, I played against Stefan and his and his uh, Stormcast Eternals. So um, yeah, and like of the missions in the back, this is the one that I actually quite like. Like it gives you a little bonus for GCs, but not a ton. And then it's kind of a mission that encourages you to go wide in like turns like one, two, and three, and then collapse into the center and turn four and five because the flank objectives going away. Um, uh, and I kind of like that, that mechanic, it sort of like forces your army to, to go big and then shrink back down to, um, to handle the center in the last couple of turns. So yeah, I, this, this mission that was actually like, yeah, this is, this is actually kind of cool. There's some, there's some thought going in here and that plus one point for the GC on the flanks, uh, that doesn't feel too abusive in terms of, of the extra points you can get there, but yeah, so um, so Stefan's list. So he's a Stormcast Eternals. Um, he is Hallowed Knights. So I believe that's fight on death with his Redeemer units. Yeah, so, like so his it's basic battle line stuff. Yeah, Vindictors yeah. and Vanquishers and his list. It's a, yep. the Goddess one that you have to take if you it's, want Goddess in this fight. Yes, world. it is the Goddess one. So yeah. Um, yeah, so he's Hallowed Knights. He's Silence of the Storm, so he's dropping down. Um, he uh, has the Inspired Triumph for plus one to wound, 
which is obviously really tasty on the amount of shooting that he has. Um, although my list, I built it to like 1945 points because for Gits, you usually just, you need the Battleshock Triumph. Um, so he did not get his uh, plus one to wound triumph in this game. Um, and his was his uh, grand strat was take what's theirs, which actually was like, it came down to like a really interesting turn five as to, to how the game would, would shake out. Um, and then he has a, a Lord Relictor um, with kind of the uh, traditional loadout, I'd say. Uh, he has High Priest for the rerollable uh, prayer. Um, so the two up rerollable for the teleport. So super, super reliable. He's also got Arcane Tome, which we, you know, we see quite a bit um, as well uh, with Thundershock. Um, and he's got Translocate, obviously, for the prayer, for the teleport. And then he's got Leadership of the Alpha. So he's going to be issuing the same command ability um, three times once a game. And so uh, with all of his shooting, he's going to be be popping that out, plus one to hit on, on a bunch of units. Um, and then he has Gardas, and Gardas is going to be given a uh, five plus ward in the little aura there, so that's good. And then he's got the uh, the Lore Seeker as an ally, so um, kind of a, a cheeky little like forward deployment, grab an objective in turn one and, and do some stuff like that. Um, and then he's got kind of just some minimum uh, battle line. He's got um, five Vindictors, five Vanquishers, so just like some cheap, some cheap battle line. Um, he's also got the Holy Command Call for Aid, so he's bringing back one of those units of five uh, once per game. So he's just basically got some screens that he can sort of redeploy and uh, reset up when they die, um, which is cool. And then, yeah, kind of the, the, the crux of his list is 15 Judicators, with the bolt storm crossbows. So those are the guys that every successful hit explodes into two hits. Um, and so they just get like a bucket of dice. Like he was just rolling just obscene amounts of dice with them. And then he's got three of like the special judicators in there, which are range two, I think. <clears throat> so he ended up having something like nine shots or like some smaller amount of like rend two shots. Um, and then just a bunch of no rend, uh, just kind of volume of fire shots coming out of them. Uh, and then he has got a unit of four Tempestors, um, which are the, um, they're the Dracothian uh, guys that we're actually starting to see quite a bit of in a lot of lists recently. Yeah, um, I'm keen to hear about these guys, honestly. Yeah, they used so, to be real good because they used to just shoot a unit and make you minus one to hurt. Yeah, now, so they now don't different. do that anymore. Yeah, uh, so basically they're just like um, a kind of a, they're a budget version of the Dragothian Guard compared to like Fulminators. Um, they don't hit obviously anywhere near as hard as Fulminators do. They're actually quite rubbish in combat besides the, um, the mount attacks. Um, but they're really there uh, because they're fairly cheap You've still got the Mortal Wound Breath out of the Dracoths. Um, and then they've got like crossbows that do like a decent volume of shots. Um, so really kind of what his list is trying to do is just put out a, a real, real volume of, of quality shots at no or little rend um, and just kind of drown you by way to fire. Um, and um, like we yeah. saw those Tempestors um, Oh, I'm 
of course, I'm totally blanking out his name now um, because because um, we're live. But at um, <laughs> at uh, at LVO, um, uh-huh. that that really cool Tempest I list that was in the top eight was it this Gavin? year or last year? Given this year, one, so given one at like a year ago with a Stormcast Army in cities, but I so, think yeah, he ran I think, something similar this year. Yes, so I think it is Gavin. So yeah. um, Gavin's obviously one of the best players in the world right now um and he was running a tempest eye list when i think america let's not give him too much credit uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't he like win the itc or something i'm not sure i think he, i don't, he know. Have. I don't um, know but yeah obviously like, shout out kevin yeah yeah <laughs> shout, shout out to him um but uh, i think he had in tempest eye like two times four tempesters mm. um but um and I, i've started seeing them pop up in a lot of places a lot of lot of good lists um so yeah they were they were interesting and then he's got a storm strike chariot um as like a pinning piece just a real real durable missile that's fairly cheap you can just throw it and tie something up which is yeah they're not bad they're not bad especially if you look back on the charge and you do what is it like four up for every you roll dice equal to charge and every four ups a mortal wound i think it is. yeah it's kind of like an ogre charge right and yeah yeah and it's got, got a like a bunch of wounds on a free up save and it doesn't a free up save exactly yeah. so you just kind of throw it in um and uh yeah so he has that and then he has geminids uh all in a one drop um at 1950 and i was 1945 so i still eked out the um the the triumph but um by five points um but yeah so it was um yeah it was a super interesting and fairly tight game for the most part he basically really smartly deployed his his screens um he put the lore seeker out on one of the flank objectives and kind of left the other one open um he gave me first um looking to double me most likely and he kept um Gardas, the uh tempestors and the crossbows off the board uh maybe the chariot i can't remember but at least it was the tempestors um the judicators and Gardas were, were off board um so yeah there wasn't a lot for me to interact with in turn one um so yeah, he had the, the lore seeker out on the side. Um, and yeah, basically I just kind of pushed up fairly conservatively. I uh, tunnel mastered my web spinner shaman onto the other flank objective. Um, so I could score the bonus point there. Um, and I also teleported a unit of six fell waters onto that same uh, flank objective um with the uh web spinner to kind of um act as uh, a little bit of bait um while my rock guts kind of just pushed up the center um and the bounders kind of just hung out there in the in the midfield as well um then his turn two he dropped all of his stuff um got all the shooting happening um he ended up killing most of the six fell waters he basically dropped the um tempestors and the judicators the judicators were kind of center in his territory but a little bit towards the side where i had my fell waters 
and then the tempestors dropped in front of the foul waters to charge them. Um, so they did a bunch of shooting, took down most of them, and we ended up having just kind of a little scrum on that side for a couple of turns. Um, but what I was trying to do with that play was to draw him out onto the flank, knowing that the flank objectives would be not going to be there the entire game, while I pushed my big brick and nine trolls up the center towards his home objective. And that's kind of how the game went. Um, the nine rock guts uh, hit one screen, killed it. He did um, call for aid, put the same screen back in front of the trolls. They killed it. He um, threw the chariot in. Uh, the chariots um, got overwatched, I think, by the nine rock guts or um, unleashed hell. Um, so I was rolling nine dice every four up as a mortal wound. So on the way in, I did like three or four mortal wounds and then the rock guts killed it in combat. Um, so the rock guts were kind of just an immovable force, just plowing up the center towards his uh, objective. And so it ended up sort of turn, <clears throat> turn three, turn four, I got onto his home objective and um, had just killed a few of the judicators, but I'd killed all of his screens and the um, all of his screens and the chariot, and I'd killed two of the tempesters, mm -hmm. and I was holding my home objective and his home objective in turn yeah. four. Which is game um, over at that point, eh? Yeah, and I was up on points a little bit at that stage. Um, so then he teleported his tempestors and the judicators behind me kind of by where my shrine was and my home objective. And then um, my rockets just kind of hung out on his home objective. And then um, he made, just at the end there, there was a lot of the really fun, like engaging combat where like he was shooting my 20 stabbers mm. um, and then like my stabbers um, almost died, but then I got to rally them back on a four up because goblins can do that. Um, and then um, I like charged back in and like dealt with the um, the tempestors, but then I was being shot by the adjudicators the whole time. And there was this sort of like really scrappy ending uh, where he was trying to get models within twelve of my shrine to deny my grand strat, and I was trying to claw back some points and deny his grand strat, which was having. Um, more uh units in my territory um yeah so it i'm not really going to go into more detail than that uh just because like yeah. it was a lot of intricate like movements and like killing and rallying and like back and forth um really really engaging game super fun definitely my, my most enjoyable game um mm. and uh, and stefan was awesome he was um Super, like some good banter back and forth, which you always like, um, and also just a really capable player. Um, and so, yeah, he, uh, we talked about it after the game, and um, you know, there's a few things that we talked about where maybe in list building he could have done. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and some stuff like um, not having um, the, uh, like he had leadership of the alpha on the Lord Relictor to obviously hand out the plus one to hit multiple times one turn to kind mm. of go for a big one turn. 
but his list is like it's designed to just do volume of chip damage. Just so, of damage, yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at yeah. it like old school gets. If he had like 120 grots, he would have loved that because he's got a bunch of he's got yep. Ren one shots in abundance that double yep. hit between the tempestors and the judicators. Yep. But like, I don't know. Maybe he didn't have enough. If I was, because I was thinking, why does he have 15 judicators? And then it was, oh, because he wants to keep the battle rich, I assume. But if he has five more judicators, just drop the Stormstrike Chariot, put in another unit of judicators. Yeah. Then they have 10 units of 10, and, oh, two units of 10 judicators. I don't know. Like, I just, I think, yeah, it drops and it shoots you for one turn. And if you can survive that, it's all fucking good, to be honest. Yeah. The Warseek is like, a bit fun, though, but the rest of it, I'm just like. Yeah. yeah. And like, besides the trolls, like, my list um, isn't super durable. So, like, it's quite. It's quite a good lit list into my list, I think, um, because it can just do volume of attacks, which can overwhelm my stuff. Um, but the fact that I can just bring things back from the shrine, the fact that I can four plus rally, um, just just helped give me the edge in that game. And like the thing I discussed with him, which I think would have been an improvement, is um, instead of leadership of the alpha, just taking telemaster on the Lord Relictor. That way, Lord Relictor teleports uh, something and then he follows it. Um, so he can be there the next turn to teleport it again or to do some shenanigans. But as it was, at the end of the game, he teleported um, the um, Judicators with the Lord Relictor. And then the Lord Relictor was stuck on the other side of the field doing nothing because um, he was yeah. out of range at that point. So yeah. um, I, I kind of like that to like keep him more in the game but yeah i thought it was an interesting list i'm not sure how like ultra optimized it was but like not it definitely definitely played in a way that like i've not really seen stormcast playing and i think yeah. that like my list was weirdly kind of a good match for it and that it resulted in like a really tight game mm. whereas my list absolutely smoked um like more elite lists um but because he was able to like kind of dance around and just put a lot of volume of fire in. Um, we kind of just kept trading and doing stuff to the very end. That that felt good. Um, yeah. But yeah, super, super fun game. Uh, great opponent. T 10 out of 10. It was, it was, it was really good. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I, won, I won it in the end by three points, I think. So like, it wasn't a huge swing. Um, mm. He denied me my grand strat and got his. Which mm. made it close, made it closer than it would have been. But um, yeah, it was an awesome game. Cool, 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 cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting because that army, if he goes first against my army, could kill a lot of stuff. But I don't think it really has much beyond the surprise turn one alpha. It's just like a lot of ring one shooting. But yeah, I think like into combat lists, especially in combat lists that aren't very fast, it can kind of just dance around and, mm. and just keep applying keep applying its power at range. Like against your list, it's basically just going to get like shot to pieces, like over turns. But yeah. because I had because I had no shooting and low bravery and low armor saves ish, besides the trolls. Um, that kept it like quite engaging for both of us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas you could you could have just like d dumped like eight eight mortal wounds uh, like per turn from each of the sentinel units and a bunch of like AOE mortals into his stuff and then just like shut him down. Mm. But because I couldn't really touch his units without dealing with all the all the shots, 
mm-hmm. um it was it was interesting but yeah, yeah it's, it's a bit different i'll you know absolutely it's a bit different i'll give them kudos for that but i just don't think it's i don't know i just don't see the damage over five turns because everything's quite short range like the 10 pieces are like 12 inch range and plus you probably want to be within 10 for the dragon mortals anyway and the judicators are only 18 so sure. i don't know like i'll be i'll be interested to play against it and see how it goes but like i don't i don't love it but i think it's um it's definitely something a bit different that's for sure so yeah. um so my round three position of power um was a refresher i was playing dylan and his soul blight gravelord which was definitely my most challenging matchup of the event because soul blight just kept coming back and i fucking hate soul blight <laughs> i just hate soul blight so goddamn boring <laughs> um <laughs> but they just they just keep coming which is rich for me to say given i play a pretty boring army as it is but um so he's 12 drops he's like no i think it's, it's a bunch of warlords uh, he's legion of blood i don't know what that means um, his grand strategy is lust for domination. Don't know what that is. Uh, he's got a vampire lord. He's got a Vingorian lord who I'd never seen before. Um, and I refer to as a knuckle dragger the whole fight because I didn't know what he was. And every time I saw him, he was like that vampire riding a knuckle dragon thing. Uh, Necromancer, seen plenty of them. Another vampire lord and a white king. Uh, so he's got five heroes and four of them are gcs and obviously my battle tactics have more gcs than he does but into the fight so that was concerning considering i don't have sharps shooters and he's got a lot of bodies uh he's then got 20 skellies uh five black knights another 20 skellies uh, and he's got a mortis engine uh and he's got 10 graveguard 10 graveguard and then he's got the shards of Vang vegala if that's how you say that as an endless spell which like he cast him turn one and I sort of asked him what he did and like we didn't really talk about it too much and then Ticklish just auto unbound him turn one and that was it. Um, but I think they sort of reduce your movement if I or like if you move between those two things, if you move between yeah, them. Yeah, they're, they're they kind of interesting. Like, there is like, yeah. It never like came three... up. I was just like, I'll get rid of them because yeah. they sound annoying. Yeah, it's definitely like with a list like yours, it's kind of trivial to remove them, but like there's kind of that trio of endless spells that are kind of like sneaky, good mm. utility, but like in specific circumstances. Like there's like um, there's like geminids, there's like shackles, there's mm. like shards, like all mm. those ones. But you don't see them that much. But like what what shards does, and I only know this because Ryan's been running it recently. Um, is shards you draw a line between the two parts of the endless spell. Like, and they can be 12 inches apart, I think. And then whatever is in the middle, you have movement. It yeah. can't fly and it yeah. can't be removed from the battlefield. Like the, the unit can't be oh, teleported. Okay. Or, so like in the right matchup, it's like yeah. really great tech, but it's kind of situational. Yeah. 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 Because I was, I was trying to ask him like, well, I did ask him what it does. Yeah. And like, he was sort of like not withholding information, but I, to be honest, I, I wasn't sort of, um, I don't think he explained it too well because I didn't really understand what he was saying. Um, and I was trying to understand if it's just worth me because he said, oh, if you go between it, it like does some shit. I'm like, well, what does it do? And he's like, oh, some shit. And I was like, okay, fuck. And like, and I was trying to figure out if I just run my army through it and then just bounce a bunch of mortal wounds at his characters and just snipe out of his characters. Like, because he had, he had his like 
White King and a Vampire Lord. No, they have Vampire Lord and Necromancer and like another Vampire Lord, I think it was, all hugging some skeletons. And I was like, well, I could just like run my whole army through these two things and then like bounce models at you on a four up. And he said something like, oh, it has movement. And I was in and, and turn one, I was thinking I might want to charge. So I was like, no, just get rid of him. Like, because if I fail it, I don't want to halve my movement and I don't want to be stuck in my deployment. So anyway, um, so that's his army. Uh, we deploy. I deploy first. I just do like a pretty classic castle in the middle of the board. And then the only kind of slightly different thing I do is I put my wind charges hard out on my right side with my wind mage. So they can go, so the wind charges can go 16 and I measured it up. And essentially I could get my wind mage and the wind charges on the far right, on my far right objective, his far left objective, uh, turn one if I wanted to because he's got so many bodies and so many units I was concerned that he would just score too many points too early and I wouldn't be able to catch him and then he deployed and he put a bunch of shit in the ground and a bunch of shit on the board and I was like oh. and then he was like who's going first and I, I fucking hummed and hard about this for a good minute to be fair because I was like I could go first and I can easily score five points because I'll score my home base and I'll score a side objective and I'll get an extra point because I've got a GC on it. So I've got six points. And I was like, and then he's chasing me. And I was like, but then he'll just bring his shit up on the other side of the board and he'll get six objectives. And I was like, we're just training six objectives at that point. So I was like, no, nah, uh, you know, I was like, maybe he takes it. Maybe I don't. And I was like, no, nah, okay, you can have it because you're not going to get in combat with me. So he took it and he popped up stuff on either board edge. He moves his middle guys up a little bit. And then he brought like five knights up on a flank for a gravesite. And then he charged. Um, he actually rolled like a 10 on the charger, it was. So he got his knights in without a reroll into my sentinels, I believe it was. They were sort of just on the side, on the left side. And um, yeah, so he charged my sentinels and I killed like two or three knights in the charger, I think it was. I got real lucky because they weren't even buffed. Um, and he scored six points, and it was my turn, and I killed some of his stuff, and I moved um, my wind charges up onto that right flank, but it had like a white king and 30 skeletons on it, so it was a lot of work for me to get through. Uh, we roll off, and he wins priority, and he gives it to me, and I was like, fuck you, Dylan. Like, it was the right thing to do. It was totally the right thing to do, but I didn't want the priority, and neither did he. Um, the way he explains his army works is that it just hangs around, survives, and score points. It doesn't really attack you. It just scores points, so um, I was really concerned that I was in a race to try score, um, to outscore him. And because the way the mission works where there's three turns where you can score a maximum of six points in the first three turns, and if I'm only scoring three and he's scoring six, then I'm going to be a nine-point difference come turn four. So I was worried that I was going to be too far behind in points um, at that point in time. So he gave me turn two, which I didn't want. Um, good move by him. I wasn't happy. I told him I wasn't happy, but that's fine. Um, I score the right flank. Uh, I kill a bunch of stuff and leave his white king there. And my guy is seven as a rhinox. And I just had more bodies than he did. So I score three points first turn. I score four points second turn. I score one, two, better to, no, I scored five points, sorry, because I had a GC on the, on the objective. Uh, then he wins the turn. Um, he double turns me back and then he's scored. He doesn't really kill anything. Like he doesn't, he, his Vangor, his Knuckle Dragon dude comes in and um, kills my Wind Mage, which is my mobile GC that counts as 10 points. So that was uh, 10 models. So that was dumb, but 
I sort of knew it was a YOLO play because that's what I was doing. I was chasing and I was starting to get really concerned that one, we weren't going to finish the game and two, he was just going to score way more points than me early game than I was late. Um, and he kills my wind charges. But then it all sort of turns in turn three and my turn three have a massive turn and I mop up like two thirds of his army. Like I kill his Vanguard Lord. I kill the 10 Graveguard that is hanging out on the left flank and I teleport my Kefla over there and she scores it. So I score um, five points. I think it was that turn. I, in turn three, I charge his home base and I kill a bunch of skellies and then he brings the unit or maybe it was turn two I killed the skellies on his home base objective and he brings the unit back but because he was sort of screening at the edge of the objective he could just set him right back up on the edge of the objective which was like triggering to me but that's fine um yeah so really my idea was that I was going to control the middle turns four and five and I was going to score one of these flank objectives either turn two or three and I was able to score a flank objective turn two and turn three, which worked out for me. And I scored the middle objectives like turn three, four, five. And by turn four, he just, I think he had a necromancer and like 10 skellies left. So again, his army doesn't do a lot of damage. He explains it just sits on objectives. It's a lot of bodies. It comes back. It depends on how good he is at running four ups or five ups to bring units back. Uh, he brought two units back across the course of the game, I believe it was, out of the like eight dice he rolled or nine dice he rolled. So I got pretty lucky in that sense. But yeah, I was really worried because he scored 18 points for the first three turns and I'd scored... And I'd scored 13. So he was effectively a round ahead of me at that time. Mm-hmm. And then turn four, like it was turn three, I think it was. I just killed so much of his army through magic and through shooting and a lot of his heroes were already pretty wounded at that point so yeah and then I think I won the game by um, it wasn't a massive gap it was definitely my smallest gap but I think it was still like I won by 7 points or so mm-hmm. um, and three of those points were from a grand strategy because uh, he had to hold more of his grave sites than I did and I made sure I scored two of his grave sites because he just ran out of units. So um, I, that's what his grand strategy was. So, you know, he he was ahead by around going into turn four, but um, I managed to essentially win by around by turn five because I think he scored one point the last two turns or one point in each of the last two turns. So, yeah, he he didn't he killed ten warden. No, he didn't even kill the wardens. Um, he killed five wind charges and my wind mage and a couple of sentinels and that was a because his army doesn't really do any damage outside of the vingorian lord um it just sits on objectives but yeah that was i was pretty stressed out like turn two and turn three and then it just sort of flipped where i just had a big turn so yeah um yeah the army it's interesting was, sorry yeah no, go ahead no you're all good Oh, no, I was just going to say that, like, I really felt like the castle element or the let let your opponent score early and you score big late was really tested in that game. Um, And I was a bit like, because in my head, whenever I've played this army and I've won with it, I always start scoring turn three. That's normally when I start flipping. So I'll be like three points turn one, three points or four points turn two, and then I'll be like five, five, five. And my opponent will be five points, five points, three points, one point, one point, maybe. And that's normally how it works. 
but because he was like 6.6.6 points and I was like fuck like he's a whole round ahead of me he's five points ahead of me and we've you know like this is a bit but um no I was just lucky enough that I was able to do enough damage and he wasn't able to bring back enough units and because those two objectives disappear in turn four and my intent from the start of the game was just to focus on the two middles and score one of them once or twice and just keep my army focused in the middle. Um, that's sort of what it was done. But he did well because I deployed, as I said, my wind charges out to the right-hand side because they could get to an objective, but because I gave him first turn, he sort of redeployed part of his army. Like, he put his, um, his big knuckle dragon dude on that side, and... Um, he was going to like counter charge me when I went in. So he was sort of covered on that flank. So if it wasn't for me having a teleport, you know, I might've been in a bit of trouble there, but no, it was, it was good. It was good. I, as I said, I won the game by six or seven points. I think it was, um, Dylan was lovely to play. It was stressful for me for about a good hour and a half. And then it sort of just went all in and F way. So, um, yeah, yeah. It's like, interesting with, yeah, with Soul Blight right now, it's interesting like that because I've been playing Ryan like once or twice a week um, in TTS because he's been like working on lists and I've been working on lists. Um, and uh, we've been just like, he's basically become my like regular practice partner because like our schedules kind of line up like that. So um, he plays, um, I would say, a much better list than this. Zombies. But, like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, so I'd say that it is like, a bit of listenness. This is, I don't yeah. think like I like Dylan. First time yeah, I met yeah, him, yeah. seemed like a lovely dude. For I sure. Don't think this was an overly competitive soul blight list. I think yeah. he wrote it for exactly what he was telling me he was going to do, which is score yeah. objectives and try to live. So yeah, like, yeah, and I think that like for better or worse, that's kind of the archetype that soul blight are forced to play right now. Um, having a little bit of an older book and um, like. I know that Ryan kind of feels like, and I agree that like, so Soul Blight is kind of shoehorned into this style of list right now. <clears throat> that being said, it's like it's kind of a cool list archetype, and like there's things about it that are really good and that become really stressful. Like you said, as a player, like when there's all that recursion, when the board is just swamped with models, when they're scoring you know, really high in the first three turns and stuff like that. Like it becomes, it becomes like a stressful and like interesting, interesting game at that point. Um, the, the thing that I think this list is missing is like, like Dylan admitted himself. And like you said, it has no damage, like literally none. Um, no, it has like no, as, I wouldn't have Vanguard Lord, there's no damage. And even him, he's swinging ass. Yeah, oh yeah, the the Vanguard Lord is is so swinging. Yeah, like, yeah, he can mm. spike, but most of the time he does nothing. And then like the Grave Guard, the Grave Guard, even ten of them will blitz through some stuff. Yeah, but like the ten but they is can like whiff. they can whiff, and it's also ten wounds on a five plus save. Like it's, yeah. they just go they go down so fast. So like yeah. what Ryan's been doing recently is he has like two blocks of twenty, and that way even if you lose eight, mm. nine, ten out of the unit the remaining 10 are still mm. like proper scary. And then when they come back, they come back as 10, not five, which is like a, a much bigger difference in terms of, of like damage output um, when they come back on the board. And then the other part that Ryan's doing is like the 60 zombie block, um, which is just like a headache to play against. Um, yeah, it is. Because of, of all the tricks it can do and stuff. So, but like, I think the, like, 
this this style, the board swamp, when in the movement phase, just gum up the board with the trash thing is like, it's it's kind of cool. I think it's just too bad that Soul Blight are kind of forced into that right now if they yeah. want to be competitive. But, yeah. yeah, and I mean, I mean, like, because the skeletons, right? Like, when you kill shit in the combat phase. They come back on like a four up when they fight. So he was never fighting with the skeletons first, even when there were obvious chances. And the skeletons weren't killing anything. Um, yeah. But it was just like, yeah, he. Um, and I think Dylan was fine with it. Like, I don't think Dylan was sad about it or anything of the sort. He was just like, yeah, yeah this is what my army does. I set on objectives and I try out score you and outlast you. And um, yep. I, was, I wasn't sure if I had enough damage, but I did by turn four and five I, I had enough damage so that was cool for me at least um but yeah it was sort of like probably as stressed as i was about can i get through this quick enough he was probably equally as stressed about like am i going to survive this so for um sure. yeah there wasn't i didn't see too many tricks or anything in his army it was just like Every time he was like, oh, and I get to roll at the end of the turn, I was like, are you sure you get to roll at the end of the turn, bro? Because that seems real <laughs> fucking annoying. <laughs> like, I asked him, he was like, yep. yeah, and no, I get to roll now. And I was like, nah, show me the rule. Like, this is bullshit. This is way too too often. And he, he didn't show me the rule, but we didn't, like, it wasn't that serious. But I was like, man, For this sure. is fucking annoying because I just killed 20 of these dudes and now 10 of them come back. So, <laughs> yep. but anyway, um, yeah. No, so, and, and to be fair, shout out Ryan as well. I think, because I've played Ryan quite a bit of late with his run up to CanCon and so on. Um, I think I got quite used to playing Soul Blight against Ryan. Yeah. So that definitely would have helped me in this matchup, albeit Ryan plays a very different style. As you mentioned, specifically like the Graveguard. Like I know Graveguard are quite dangerous, but um, I definitely noticed 10 Graveguard are actually just not that big of a deal compared to tw- two blocks of 20. Um, yeah. And then the zombies yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, and I 100% agree with the way that um, Soul Blight are sort of forced to play is just like come up the board with bodies and play sort of the attrition battle, which, um, yeah, I mean, that's just that's just how they play, to be honest. So, for sure, yeah, um, anyway, so yeah, 3 yeah, cool. um, I, I scored like, I don't know, I scored like all my battle tactics plus more. Um, because of round two, being able to score two. So Battle mm-hmm. Tactics mattered in the end. That was the tie break. Um, so, yeah. So, talking yeah. about that. So, with the tie break, because um, the, it ended up with the, with the, uh, the top three. Mm-hmm. Um, you got all of your Battle Tactics, like, yeah, plus two, I think. Yeah, right? I think I had 17 Battle Tactics or something like yeah. that. And then across I ended three up, games. Yeah. And then I ended up getting 15. So, I also went. I went five all well I went one game I missed two but then I got two extra in that one where you can do two so I ended up getting essentially five every game is what it equaled out to so 15 and then Jimmy uh got 12 I think so he dropped two uh or he got a couple extra and dropped more than that I'm not sure how how it shook out but it ended up being that was the tiebreaker, so we ended up having yeah. 17, 15, Jimmy 12. Jimmy also didn't finish his last game. I think they only played three turns, so that didn't oh, yeah. help because he didn't get to score two more battle tactics. But anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So I don't know yeah. if he dropped many in his first two games, but I know in his last game he only played three turns, I think it was. Yeah. Which also that, meant that he didn't score the extra three victory yeah. points. So, 
Yeah, because we were all sort of assuming that victory points was the first tie break, but anyway. So yeah, that's how yeah, it ended, it ended up. up that the time didn't actually matter. So mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, cool. But yeah, so that was the that was the results. Um, so it's um, yeah, it's given Jimmy a boost so that he will most likely qualify for Masters with uh, one more event coming up uh, with Silver Yeah, he'll Smackdown definitely get in there. For, yeah. We're going to so um yeah you excited for silver stream yeah definitely definitely so um i mean less due tomorrow i believe um probably by the time people are listening to this list would have been locked in um i think it's 10 p.m tomorrow and i yep. in all fairness will probably run something very similar to what i ran last weekend um mm-hmm. i just I just don't know if I want to put like the Lord Region in for the redundancy on the Summit Weapons because that's big. Or I quite like having the two spells and I quite like having the Quick Wizard for um, Stubborn as a Rhinox as well for scoring. So that's like, that's, I, I'm, I'll figure it out tomorrow when I submit it, but I'm probably, um, I'd say I'm like 99.9% sure I'm going to run Lumineth because it's painted and, the army yep. still in my box and all that sort of stuff. The the alternative was going to be like Karazai Stormcast, but um, I mm-hmm. still haven't painted Karazai, so there's probably like a very low chance that I'm going to want to paint him before the event. I might do that at ValleyCon, yep. you know, the following month. But um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for Silverstream. I need to look at the missions. I actually haven't looked at the missions. Um, mm. So once I look at the missions, that will probably determine what I wanted to with the Lumineth and what sort of style I go, if I just go more like Lord Regent sort of style, uh, which I'm very familiar with and that's cool, or if I go like slightly off meta, or it's not even off meta, like the army is fucking meta as it is, Um, or if I just run sort of essentially the same thing as what I ran here. So we'll see, but I'll figure it out tomorrow. So yeah, I'm, most certainly playing Lumineth, um, and most certainly, well, not most certainly, quite strongly possible the army I've just played, or an army I've just recently played. So the guys in Wellington will know about it because we played against it a bunch. Um, yeah. So yeah, we'll see. Like, I'm I'm keen for it though. I just I'll check the missions tomorrow and we'll go from there. But anyway, um, Silverstream SmackDown Two Cage Match, as Zane has called it. Uh, what are you thinking about? playing do you have any thoughts in the pack and anything like that Jess? like you know anything to add yeah the um the the pack is pretty balanced in terms of the missions so um i can sort of just bring like my all comers tournament list that i've been like workshopping um so yeah it's gonna be gets it'll be a variation on what i brought last weekend or to this event that we're we just discussed um it'll be a variation on that um it's not going to be the exact same list um, I've already submitted, so it's it's locked in. Um, I got uh, more stuff to paint still, so I'm going to be chewing through that uh, this weekend and early next week. And then, um, yeah, it's going to be kind of the first the first big test for Gits for me. Um, the first GT with them. Um, I know it's a bit of a shark tank uh, for this event as well. There's a lot of like high profile good players from the New Zealand scene going to be there. So I'm super stoked for that. I'm super stoked to see people I haven't seen since uh, 
masters when I was down there last. Um, I'm going to be going down uh, early on the Friday. I'll be hanging out with Bo for the day. I'm going to play a game and get some food and hang out. And then I'm staying with Ryan over the weekend. So I'll be staying at his. So cheers to him uh, and his partner for hosting me. That's going to be that's going to be good. And then hopefully we get up with some shenanigans on the Saturday night. And uh, hopefully I'm not too hungover on the Sunday. So that'll be the thing. No, that's, yeah, yeah. That's, um, that's something we do need to organize, though, to be fair, is like what we're doing that night. So you're going and hanging out with Bo on the Friday. What time do you get in? Do you know? Oh, like um, 7.30 in the morning or something. Oh, <laughs> like, gross. I'm going and down real early. Um, has but Bo like, got the day off or whatever? Or yeah, like, so Bo's taking, nah, Bo's taking the day off. So um, Bo is one of those weird people who gets up at like five uncaffeinated and just like goes about his day. Yeah, uh, it's fucking odd. Don't understand and then, that. <laughs> and then walks to work. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Bo is so yeah. wholesome in so many yeah, ways. Yeah, he is. He's um, very wholesome. Shout um, out, Bo. <laughs> yeah, um, shout out to Bo. Yeah, but yeah, no. Okay, um, cool. I was gonna say because otherwise, um, yeah, you can come hang out here and I'll pretend to work, you know, uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> sort of sure, stuff. Sure. But yeah. um, no, it's good that it's good that you've been taken care of. Um, yeah. you stand with Ryan, yeah. and Ryan's definitely closer than what I am. That's for sure. Um, so that's that's yeah, cool. Absolutely. And then yeah, so today we just got to organize something. Um, but yeah, I'll, we definitely got to get uh, get get some drinks in and and something going on the Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, it will be interesting though because you're right. It is a bit of a, a bit of a shark tank. I think it's a bit fair. It's a bit of a who's who, to be honest, um, of the North Island within New Zealand at least. I don't think there's anyone from the South Island coming up, but yep. um, I think there is a whole bunch of pretty keen people locally, and then there's a bunch of Auckland people that are quite keen as yep. well and and james page making their way down so that'll be cool um so i'm interested interested to see how it plays out to be honest like it's, yeah it's kind of the next it's the only big event between now and masters so well, a yeah, lot it's the of, biggest event between now and, i think christchurch have correct one, and that's, oh, that's about right. a, yeah so it's so, a lot of people who are um like tuning their lists for masters so um yeah it's going to be people looking to looking to either do well to qualify or people yeah. who have already qualified looking to just tune their lists so yeah it'll be like interesting a, for sure a last chance to score situation um yeah. for people that are keen so no that'd be good i'm i'm keen to see how it goes keen to see how it goes and um keen to see what people bring especially the auckland crew and um yeah we'll take it from there so i'm looking forward to that after you know, I flew to Auckland last weekend because I hadn't played an event since like July, August. Mm-hmm. And now I've got two events in two different, well, for, yeah, two different weekends. So that's, I'm pretty yeah, nice. jazzed about that. So yeah. 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 Um, anything else you want to have a yarn about, Jess? Or um, any gets thoughts or any luminaire thoughts or any general thoughts or anyone you want to call out? you know to encourage drama um (laughs) yeah not not particularly i mean i think that like um i think gets and lumineth are both probably um due for some changes coming down the pike so it'll be interesting to see how kind of both your and my lists change between now and masters or between silverstream and masters because um 
I think we're expecting, so my guess is we get a battle scroll in April. Yeah. Uh, the thought being it's probably going to come out before the um, list cutoff for Worlds. Yeah. Like, I would imagine that an event with the caliber of Worlds is having some coordination behind the scenes with Games Workshop and oh. trying to get that um, that FAQ, that battle scroll out prior to list submission, I think would be yeah. ideal. So I wouldn't be surprised yeah, I mean, if we see mid-April the battle scroll come out. Yeah, depending um, on what Team England wants, I guess. Is I really guess what it really, comes down it's really to, you know? it's driving things, yeah. yeah and I'm sure yeah. that they want their team to do well. So, um, But yeah, I think that um, we're going to see I think we're going to see the Techless Castle get touched a little bit, and I think we're going to see. Yep. I'd say um, it's yep. I think we're going to see Gits. Um, I think that Gits are in a good place rules wise. I think it's just they've got a bunch of highly efficient undercosted scrolls. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mostly on the squig side with a couple of the support pieces, and then maybe Scragrot. Well, definitely Scragrot um, are are way too cheap. So I've kind of been hedging, hedging my bets a little bit. And so like my, my current list has about a hundred points of wiggle room in it. So I'm kind of sort of building to absorb some of those, those points changes, hopefully. Um, but uh, I think trolls are probably in a good place, like a strong, but good place. Mm. So I'm hopeful that uh, they don't get hit too much. And it's more the squigs and the, the kind of support casters and things that get, get the points rises but um yeah that'll be interesting because that will affect um my list for masters definitely um because mm-hmm. i'm 100 bringing gets to masters so mm-hmm. um we just got to figure out what flavor and uh how many how many cuts i got to make as a result of points rises but um yeah 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 no i think it's um yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think both our armies are going to get some sort of a um, glow up, for lack of a better term, between now and um, well, between Silverstream because Silverstream um, rules are rocked in, locked in, fucking hell, rocked in. <laughs> <laughs> it's six beers, and I'm yeah, already <laughs> already <laughs> off in the words. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I would say those rules are going to get changed within. April, I would agree with that. I think that's pretty fair. That's pretty consistent yep. with what they've done in the past. Yep. Um, additionally, you know, that's uh, Masters is in May-ish. So, yep. yeah, I think it's going to fall in between that gap. I think it's going to be points adjustments. Although, if you remember this time last year when Lumineff were fucking around with Foxes, Legion of First Prince, um seraphon stuff like that and they gave you extra vp if you killed specific units i don't know if they'll go and do that again i don't know how gw feels about that experiment um from last time i don't know if anything really warrants extra points if you kill it as a game sits right now um maybe i don't know i think that yeah i think they tried that and i think that the sort of feedback from the community was generally unfavorable about that like it didn't yeah yeah. it didn't reward rather it didn't do what it was supposed to do what it ended up doing is it just gave armies that were already good at handling those threats extra points for handling them anyway and the armies that like couldn't kill those threats and and the extra points didn't help them because they can't do it anyway you know what i'm saying so it's like 
the, the thing that yeah. change didn't lift the bottom as much as Games Workshop hoped that it might. Instead, it kind yes. of just it just gave players at the top a way to scrap for some extra points. Um, yes. So, yeah. So yeah, I hope we and... don't see that. But I hope we get some rules changes. Like yeah. I feel like the battle scrolls are definitely the place where we can see rule changes. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. yeah. We'll I mean, we'll the other big bad in the room as well was KO, which Rob from yeah. the Honest Wargamer reviewed today. But if you run yep. in the right circles, you've heard about their rules for the last couple of weeks. And yep. um, they're cooked as fuck by the sounds of it from yep. second, third hand information I've heard yep. from reliable sources. They, yeah, there's, there's some real issues there, specifically with like this Avakimus that stacks rend on everyone. The fact mm-hmm. that you can like drop nine away and disembark and get out and be within six and charge and stuff like that. Not that you want to, but there's a lot of short range uh, weapon options in KO. So yep. it's and like all your heroes are like 90 points, 80 points, 100 points. Like they're all and they're very good. And the fact that they can flip battle tactics throughout the game I mean, not battle tactics, fucking grand strategies. Oh, not grand strategies. Like their allegiance oh, abilities, they're like yeah. They're what foot, is it? Command traits or whatever the fuck is yeah. Command traits. It's their like so, uh, their amendments, their footnotes, yeah. and their whatever you call it. Their three, their three different like sub faction yeah. like, allegiance things. Yeah. 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 So that's going to be an issue, and then on top of that, as Benta's KO is what I just hasn't been as verified as I'd like it to be, but I'm still going to say it anyway. In the off chance that I'm right, um, apparently corn. Uh, going to be super sick in combat yep. but i don't know if that's um i don't i don't have enough information to, yep. to verify and trust what i've heard um from the right people so we'll see what happens there but um i think if you look at the as a world eaters and 40k the corn faction there yep. um yep. they've recently what they've done with blood tithe where it's accumulation last of the rest of the game um, and stuff yeah. like that. So I don't. I'm not saying it's going to be the exact same. I have no idea. But I mean, if you've got two armies that play pretty similar between two different game systems that you can cross sell people on, maybe that's. Oh, I have no idea. Like the corn shit I've heard is unreliable. So I'm not going to go anything further on that. Well, I mean, there's also like quite a lot of magic dominance in the meta right now. So like, if if the corn book like mm. leans really strongly into anti-magic which it should yeah. but like if they juice that up to 11 um yeah and it releases in time for masters then that may put a different complexion on taking lumineth for an example like um like do you know the, yeah i mean um, i have a corn army so it very well yeah could. yeah so like do you know the um the cygore i think it is in the new beast book the, I think the Cygor has an ability, and um, I'm going to get this wrong, but it's something like this. It's something like whenever you cast a spell, you take a mortal mm-hmm. wound mm-hmm. if you're within X distance of the Cygor. Yeah, yeah, um, I've heard about that. Yep. So you can imagine Corrin having something like, obviously, they're going to have auto dispels. Like, that's going to be a yeah. thing. They're going to make you minus to cast. But yeah. if, like, they have heroes that just ping you for a mortal wound whenever you cast, mm. that makes those, like, five-wound support casters, that's real scary for them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I could, like, I really hope that the corn book is awesome because um, I sneaky want a corn a army, but um, mm. it would be, like, I, I hope they lean into the anti-magic, uh, like, r- real hard. Yeah. 
Yeah, I hope that they get um better on the movement and slightly better in the combat because their combat isn't too bad, but their delivery system shit as it stands. So, um, and their army is fragile as fuck. Like everything's like a four up save or worse. And um, like I was wondering if they were going to give demons sort of ward saves like they have in forty k. Like all demons have invulnerable saves in forty k. Like demon saves, yeah. Yeah, because that's what they use in fantasy as well. But they haven't yeah. done that. Instead, they've just given the greater demons like you know 16 to 18 to maybe 20 wounds or whatever it is they just seem to stack more wounds on top of them so i'll be interested to see what that how that comes out but um yeah same what i'd say is that ko is locked in for for new zealand masters again end of end of may because ko comes out next week i think it is um and corn i don't know when that comes out so that could be missing the boat because we need faqs uh, yeah. for armies to be in player masters so the, we do yeah. it's true. The, the tricky thing about ko and like this is the problem that games workshop has had with shooting armies for the entirety of aos is that yes they've never shooting, done them well shooting armies are and like i get it shooting armies in a fantasy combat game are very very hard to balance because either they are too efficient uh, at shooting and they're cooked as fuck and they have just like they just run over everyone like ko have done that before at different times luminef have done that at different times long strikes have done that at different times um or they're undertuned and are just like not even viable so like it's really hard to make a shooting army that just yeah. sits in that nice pocket of like mm. not being too effective but like not tipping over into that just like they just blow everything off the table and like ko with like hyper movement on top of shooting is like that's that's a really hard book to balance so yeah yeah i mean the issue well one of the issues with this game um is that shooting is is as effective as melee which makes no sense um too many things in this game hit on trees like and you shouldn't be able to shoot someone from 30 inches across the board and on threes and when you're on twos long strikes i love you but you're too Ah. efficient to be honest um or you shouldn't be doing mortals on sixes to hit i've been looking at a bit of 40k recently because i'm a bit of 40k curious at the minute um because i've been listening to the siege of terror books and they're fucking cool and um a lot of what i've seen in 40k is you do mortals on like sixes to wound instead of sixes to hit which i think is quite cool maybe that's something that can come in next edition i don't know but yeah like there's too many things in this game like your basic troops shouldn't be hidden on trees at all especially yeah. when the game has army-wide plus one to hit it's available to anyone except obr <laughs> <laughs> you know which think which seems a bit stupid but <clears throat> shooting is just too effective you should be hitting on and this was what the saving grace of ko used to be is that yeah. the whole army pretty much hit on fours at range yeah. so as long as you had some negative like Luminef did or if you had like a relictor and you lightning storm someone or if you had some way to give someone minus one to hit you know that there's a spell from the beast wizard or whatever it is beast mage in cities that i think makes you minus one to hit um that was always sort of the great equalizer is that you had this really highly efficient lethal shooting army but they'd hit you on fours or maybe fives but they would always wound on like threes and it was around one damage one and that was fine because like if you're going to get shot by a gun maybe it should be hard to hit someone and if it hits you then it's probably going to wound you because you just got shot by a gun again 
I'm thinking logically about a fucking fantasy game, so it makes no sense. I know I shouldn't be doing that, but <laughs> like, but combat should just be more effective than shooting. And I'm oh. saying that as someone who has played predominantly shooting armies for seven to eight years, because I've realized that shooting is just as effective as combat. Because the, the old thing was that if you had shooting combat, you got two turns, to, you got to fight in every turn. As long as your unit survived, you got to fight every turn. Whereas if you're shooting, you only get to shoot once and yep. per battle round, and that's in your turn, which makes sense. But when the shooting is as effective as the combat and there's no repercussion of you shooting because you're not going to get yep. hit back because you're 20 inches away from the nearest threat piece to you, it makes, yeah, I don't know. Like shooting in this game is someone who loves shooting, I think is fucked, and scoring, I think is fucked. But anyway, I think I'll let Jeff speak for a second before I start ranting about scoring. No, that's that's like I'm a hundred percent with you on all of that. So there's like yeah, not much to add. Just to like I guess reiterate like yeah, when you can apply the same damage with no chance of being hit back, like yeah, why would you? Why wouldn't you just shoot? You know, like yeah, that 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 point about like yeah, combat gives you sort of two rounds uh, per turn of um, of damage versus shooting. Yeah, that's that's fine, but like if you're not losing units, then shooting is just so much more effective. Um, so yeah, I like this is the issue with Games Workshop games generally is like there's just this arms race, and just like every book is one upping every other book before it, and like it gets you to this place where like unless you're twos and twos, like you're not good anymore, and like that, like like the escalation to where like. I know, like, a couple of years ago, like, no rend was fine if you had volume. And then, like, you needed rend one to do anything. And then rend two. And, like, now, like, if you don't have rend two, it feels like you have no rend at all. With it, just the amount of save stacking in the, ga- in the game. Um, like, I remember playing, like, FEC back in the day. And, like, my hit roll was my hit roll. Like, flares hit on fours. That was part of their downside. That was it. You couldn't modify it. That, that's just what they had. And like nothing could heal unless you had a healing spell or like there was some ability that healed. Like now everyone heals. Everyone can hit on like twos or threes. Everyone can rally. Everyone can come back. Like it's, not, it's no longer a death thing. It's just like a game yeah. thing. Yeah. Like far too many books have rallies on fours yeah. uh, or, or fives even, you know, but like, especially fours, but like, it's just like when every unit in the game can heal, can come back mm-hmm. can hit on twos, can this, that, and the other thing, it's like nothing is special when everything does that. It's just like, yeah. where's the, where's the like, yeah. Yeah. It's like know. horde armies have low bravery, but then have multiple ways to negate battle shock or just bring units back. That doesn't make sense to me either. Like, yes, effectively taking out one facet of the game, being bravery, yeah. but anyway, like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, the only really sort of thing that hasn't been too touched is the wound roll. So if you have ways to modify a wound roll, then that's um, that's really good. You know, if you have pluses to good. wound yeah. or minuses to wound, then that's yeah. really good because yeah. the prevalence of just plus one of hers, as we've said, is everywhere. And yep. I don't think the basic troop should be hitting. I'm, I mean, I had this massive rant before AOS 3 came out on one of the podcasts about how basic troops shouldn't have like a free up save 
and they shouldn't hit on freeze and they shouldn't wound on freeze and they shouldn't have a bunch of special rules. Yep. And then Vindicators, Vindictors, whatever they're called, came out. And I was like, that's a near perfect war scroll, you know, like a two and reach, <laughs> two attacks, yep. hit on freeze, wound on freeze, run one damage one. And if they hit on a six, they do a mortal wound. Like that's as that's as high class or that's like as exotic as a battle line unit should get. Unless it's like a special bad line if you do juggernauts or corn or whatever the fuck it may be, you know, yeah. or like pigs, for example. Yeah. Um, and I hate that battle line is so effective and can just be laid on like a number of different buffs and become um, Death Stars or near Death Stars. So I don't know, man, yeah. like this this game is a bit, it's a bit weird, you know, like I don't, I like it, Jess, but it infuriates yeah. the fuck out of me. So I mean, I think it's interesting that like, we can have this sort of discussion about the issues with the game, but at the same time, we love the game and like can't wait to keep playing it, you know? So like it's I find yeah, it it's fucking cooked. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's fucking, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that like the game has as many issues as it does, and yet it still is a great game and it still plays really well. And it's still like if you look at the worldwide meta, like it's actually fairly balanced like to use the term loosely um but like there's a bunch of viable factions out there more than there ever have been in some ways um but like i think it's important to still be able to like look at the thing you love and be like yeah this is this is shit like this this part of the thing i like a lot is bad you know it's important to be able to still like give those criticisms yeah yeah it's um no, I, I I love this game and I also find it very frustrating. Like I've been teasing it all show, so I better do this before we sign off. But like I hate how scoring works in this in this um system. Like, and I'm saying that as someone who takes full advantage of the scoring in this game, there's no need mm-hmm. for you to ever score really any more than two objectives. Like, it doesn't make any sense that you could have six or eight objectives or whatever number you want to allocate to it on a board and I can sit in the castle and I can score, um, you know, my home base objective and then one side objective and I get four points and my opponent can score six objectives, which is three times as many objectives as I score and only get get one one, point out of it. It makes no fucking sense. Honestly, like, I love it because... It allows my army to be abusive and horrible, which is just sit on home base and then side tap the one that's next to home base and then stay like pretty close points wise. But I fucking hate that it allows that sort of scoring because if I'm, and and I've been on the flip side, if I'm scoring like seven objectives and my opponent's scoring one, I feel like I should score like more than two points for that, to be honest. It's, It's a bit, it's a bit shit to be honest and I, I fucking hate it because that's how Luminef play they I can sit there and go you can have the whole table for two turns because I'm going to score battle tactics because I've got easy battle tactics and I'm going to score one point from my objective so at mm-hmm. the most you'll score five I'll score three so going into turn three you're going to be 10 to my six but I'm going to have 90% of my army and you're going to have 40% of your army you know and yep. it's just and then that layers on with like why is shooting so effective which is what we ranted about just before this. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I'd like them to fix scoring. Like if there was progressive <laughs> scoring missions where like 
yeah. you scored as equal to the number of turns you held that objective, that would make Lumineth come out of their castle a lot quicker. Um, yeah. If you did score equal to the number of objectives you held, um, that would make Lumineth come out a little quicker, but you might still have the same issue where I just score max points for three turns and you score none. Um, yeah. If you had... Um, sort of old school like score one for your home base two for the middle and four for your opponent that might be I don't know like I don't know how you fix it um, without fundamentally changing some armies but yeah I don't know I just don't like how scoring's done I don't know how 40k does it I'm told it's a lot better I don't like how it's done in iOS and that's again my bias as someone who abuses it so yeah anyway yeah I mean 40k does something similar where they like they often have hold one hold two hold more but like they do the scoring start of turn generally as opposed to end of turn so there's like some intricacies there and then like the way they do secondaries is is different and then like missions have their own like sort of unique things on top of that too um and like the scoring is a lot more granular in 40k it's like um like out of a hundred in some cases because you have like x amount you can get on primary x amount you can get from secondaries and like it it all equals up to like so like it's really hard to get like Like a a perfect game's 100 points or something right yeah like it's really hard to get a tie when there's like that kind of granularity of points which i kind of like um because i've been playing a little bit of 40k because i i've got demons and like demons are like decent and well Demons are quite good in 40k, so I've been playing like mixed demons a little bit. Um, and yeah, like I think 40k has other issues, and like Games Workshop games in general tend to suffer from like some of the same issues. And there's certain things that AOS does better, and certain things that 40k does better, and certain things Games Workshop just doesn't do well at all. Um, but at the same time, like the universe is great, the models are amazing. Like there's there's something about it that keeps people coming yeah, back to it. Dope as fuck. Um, like like there's no one out there doing like what what Games Workshop is doing in terms of like quality. It's just mm. you know, and that's that's coming from someone who like does a lot of 3D printing because like I I love 3D printing. I love the creativity it offers, but like um, there is a reason Games Workshop is doing as well as they are because uh, in terms of like model design and like they're just they're, they're cutting edge all the time. Um, and like every new book that comes out, every new release that comes out, I'm like, ah, do I want to play Lizards? Ah, do I want to play the X, Y, and Z? And like, it's yeah. just, yeah. 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 So I guess maybe there's one more thing that we can touch on since you cheekily mentioned 3D printing. Um, oh, yeah. You want to have a yarn about 3D printing and um, go from Yeah. There. I guess it's um, it's interesting because three um, D printing is I guess something that's more or less common depending on sort of the the meta or like the country or like the area you're in. Like we're in New Zealand, which is the most expensive that Games Workshop products are anywhere in the in the world. Um, for whatever reason, we pay, we pay the highest prices here, and Australia is not far behind. So, in our neck of the woods, it's it's real expensive to to play Warhammer. 
Um, and uh, so, yeah, like 3D printing has gotten to the point now where like I've got a like $300 printer and like a liter of resin is like 60 bucks. Um, so I can print a 2K army for 100, 120 bucks, depending on like the amount of models and the size and how many times I have to reprint them because something fails in the print and stuff like that. Um, I'm also starting, um, me and my partner are starting our own business right now. Um, we're starting a like uh, coffee shop, bookshop in Auckland, which will be um, opening uh, both online and like an in-person store. Um, oh, that's awesome. Where about some? Yeah. So it'll be, well, we're still looking for a spot. We've, fingers crossed, maybe found one. Um, yeah. Kind of in like the Dominion Road area in Auckland. So like oh, yeah. a little bit south of the city center, but like real central. Still pretty popular um, area. Yeah, and so um, we'll see. It depends on, on the space we get, but we might have space for events. I might be able to hold some some little tabletops uh, events there at my own store at some point in the future, which would be dope. Um, but it's called Parallel. Um, so be on the lookout for more info about that coming up soon, hopefully. Um, but yeah, it's a like a coffee shop. Um, and bookshop focused on like sci-fi and fantasy uh, and like specifically like independent and local authors and stuff like that. So it's going to be a super cool, super cool space. And I'm, I'm real excited for it. But like, because of that, like I have not been like, I quit my job like six months ago um, to help like work on this with my partner and, and do all that stuff. So um, I've not been really like having a steady paycheck in this past six months. So the other part of 3D printing is like, it's just, it's enabled me to be creative, still get engaged with the hobby, still start new projects and new armies in like an affordable way. Um, so yeah, for, for me, 3D printing has been awesome. Um, and I think that like, yeah, there's a, a lot of upsides to it. Um, there's some downsides, like you can get shitty files that look bad, that don't fit with the Games Workshop aesthetic. Um, if you have a like cheap printer, sometimes they have like print lines all over the place and like just look bad. Um, like there's definite downsides to it, but like I think as a like creative part of the hobby, they're super cool. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm super pro 3D printing. And it's something that we have a lot of love for in New Zealand, at least. So, like, I've got no problem with, like, being able to bring, um, like, 3D printed armies or models to events. Like, all of us, like, in New Zealand, all the big events allow that, which is great. Because we don't have any, like, official Games Workshop events here, really. Um, we're all just kind of running our own events. And we've got our own community stuff going on. So, um, yeah, I guess that's my perspective on 3D printing. Uh, do you have any thoughts about it? Um, yeah, yeah, I do. And they're pretty boring, to be honest. Um, mm. I'm more about being inclusive as opposed to exclusive. So, like, you know, whatever, it, you know, which is why I was an advocate for, like, don't worry about painting standards. 
for the first couple of years we ran tournaments because I just want I just want people to get involved. I just want people to be able to play models. Um, but if they're not taking, and then now I'm going to sound like a hypocrite, as long as you're not taking a piss on what your models look like, uh, mm-hmm. which is a massively subjective thing for me to say because shit, yeah. I don't have a manual on what looks good and what doesn't. Um, yeah, I just want people to get involved, and I don't, I don't care if it's a three D printed army, as long as I know what's what that I'm playing against. I mean, I might play for three D printed army at one point. I've definitely looked at three D printers specifically for terrain, um, be, mainly because of the cost. Because like a GW terrain kit for Age of Sigma in New Zealand is like a hundred to hundred and forty bucks, That's and, so they're, and they're pretty rubbish to be honest. Like the terrain yeah. kits, so. Whereas I could spend like the same price for me buying like three or four terrain kits, I could buy a 3D printer and just buy some random. Is it STLs? Is that what they're called? SLTs? I don't files. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're they're usually STLs, but um, yeah, so you can like, yeah. you can get, you can get like a resin printer, which is like more for models. Then you can get like a filament printer, which is more for terrain. Yeah, but like yeah, like as like yeah. an event organizer slash TO, like. Yeah, like a three D printer for terrain is is such such a cool idea. Yeah, yeah. So that's mainly what I'd want it for is just terrain. And like, I mean, we've got um, principal scenery, which is local to well, it's not local, local to me. It's fifty k's north, but um, or thirty miles for our American listeners. Um, but I've done like I've used a lot of Matt stuff before, and I've talked to Matt, and I feel like I have a good relationship with Matt, who's the owner of principal scenery. Um, you might have seen his stuff on that um, that YouTube channel, that Tough Crowd channel that Jordan runs, um, whatever they're oh, called. Season of War? Yeah, Tough Crowd, that's it. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and um, so I'd like to be able to buy a printer and then buy some files from him and, you For know, sure. support him because he's supported me in the past. So, you know, pay it forward sort of thing. Yeah. Um, well, not pay it forward, but, you know, pay it back. Um, mm. So, no, I, I'd definitely be down for a 3d printer and i don't mind people printing models i just want the game to be more accessible because i'd like there to be more people in the hobby which would bring more diversity which would just bring more good times more events you know more opportunity um more variety you know i'm a pretty competitive player we had a charity event two weeks ago um i didn't go to it because i was i, I had other commitments but I probably wouldn't have gone anyway because it's not really my vibe. Not that charity isn't my vibe. What a horrible thing to say, but <laughs> you know, they had like, they had like buy rerolls and stuff like that. Like they had some wonky rolls, sure. which for, for sure. me is like a competitive person. I just can't sort of um, come compartmentalize too much. So, um, you know, which would be awesome because you get more of those things, you get narrative events maybe happening in New Zealand. So I'm, I'm not against them. I know they've been a hot talking point because of um, GW coming out and doing the world circuit. And um, mm-hmm. sort of, as you said, Jess, we don't have an official GW event in this country as of yet. I don't know if we will in the next year or two. I mean, I've personally reached out to GW a few times and it's gone nowhere. So um, I don't know. I'd be more than happy for a local individual to... Um, be able to get the support of GW or not. Like I'm not too fast. It's still a big commitment if you want to go to their world event in the US. So yeah, yeah. But I just like us to sort of at least be given the opportunity. And um, I'm all for supporting 
what brings more people into the hobby. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which is contradictory to sort of how GW work as well. So yeah, it's, it'll be interesting. But anyway, mm. it's probably about time we get ready to wrap this up. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Um, we yeah should probably finish this up because it's getting late and I think we've talked about everything we want to talk about so um, on that note Jess thank you very much for coming and sharing your time with me this evening and having a yarn about you know um, gets and bringing some insight and helping my basic self understand him a bit better and then thanks for <laughs> your commentary and your observations of the game as a whole um, yeah no worries. anything else you want to say in this last sort of minute before we just wrap it up um yeah no not really i mean i'll see i'll see a bunch of uh the local people at silverstream so mm -hmm. um come say hi to me uh come see my 3d printed uh gets army or partially 3d printed gets army um yep. and uh yeah we'll we'll get some drinks uh on on that weekend and it'll be it'll be a good time um but yeah otherwise i'm just like i i love the game it's just like it's been one of those things where like this past like a couple of years like the hobby and like particularly the um uh, the community we have in new zealand has like really kept me going and like mm. made so many friends uh well, like you obviously and like now i've got a bunch of mates in wellington which is you know a different city so like i can like go on trips now and like i got people mm -hmm. to hang out with and like i got this awesome game i can play with like a bunch of cool people so like yeah like warhammer's been like a huge positive thing for me 